quick note before we start, if you're hearing this episode the day it comes out, January 2nd, 2023, then today you can go to the Yeti, that's T-H-E-Y-E-T-E-E.com, and see some JoJo's Bizarre Adventure shirts, including one called Bizarre Ocean Blues by friend of the show, Hello Winter. It's fantastic. I love this design. It's got Jolene and her dad, the hat guy. Uh, again, this is a shirt of the day. You've only got today, January 2nd, to go check it out. And uh, please, go do that. And now, the show. Happy New Year and welcome to Bizarre Podcast, Dogs Must Die. My name is Grant, you can call him Chip, and today we are taking a break to welcome a very special guest. Please introduce yourself as you would like to be introduced. I am uh, Cameron Kunzelman of uh, various locations and uh, times and spaces, and uh, my stand is Cameron Kunzelman of Range Touch. <laughs> Uh, Grant, beforehand when you were explaining this, Grant, you said something about my feet. I didn't care for that. I don't, I don't know what you were saying, feet before or after, but, so I'm not doing anything, R-E feet, uh, but that's my introduction. Fantastic. Our, I don't know, format, mm -hmm. our rotation, our system usually includes, uh, at this point in a season, having someone on who is a, a fan or somehow engaged with JoJo's Bizarre Adventure to talk about this first portion with us. Mm -hmm. We're changing things up. There's a bit of a, an experiment being tried here. And uh, in order to explain what I mean by that, I'm just going to dive in to what is our traditional first question to a guest. So Cameron, <laughs> what is your experience with JoJo's Bizarre Adventure? What, what brought you to us here today? Of course. Well, what a great what a great question. Uh, and one I appreciate and one I'm eager to answer. So about, I don't know, a month ago, some somewhere in mm -hmm. that, you said, hey, would you like to be on the show? You extend the invitation to uh, Michael Lutz and I, uh, my uh, range touch partner in crime uh, across the board. Due to scheduling conflicts, Michael is not able to be with us. I have a statement to read from him later in the show <laughs> <laughs> uh, in order to do that. But so, uh, uh, you know, if, if people were tuning in for Michael, unfortunately, he is not here. But you said, are you interested in doing that? And I said, well, what does that entail? Because uh, I've never seen a JoJo's before, <laughs> nor do I know what it is, other than an anime thing and, and also right. a manga thing, right? Correct on, on both counts, yes. Okay, great. Uh, so I didn't know anything about it. And uh, I am a, who kiss say fool <laughs> when, it, when it comes to anime in a general sense. Uh, I am the most stereotypical uh, white man on the internet. Because I've seen Cowboy Bebop, mm -hmm. right? I've seen five episodes of Nozaki-kun. Sure. All right. I've seen Akira. Uh, I've seen Perfect Blue. And we might be getting to the bottom of my <laughs> <laughs> of my uh, knowledge of, of uh, and things. And you've yeah. seen 12 episodes of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure Stone Ocean. Correct. So I have watched now the first 12 episodes. And, and here's a little tidbit for you. So I, I did mention about a month ago you suggested this to me. Mm -hmm. And in my head, again, much like a fool, uh, mm -hmm. I thought, 
what could half a season be? You know, because I think you said something, or maybe for part one or something like that. Maybe for what, right, what yeah. this constitutes. I don't remember the exact phrasing. And I thought, what could that be? Four episodes? <laughs> We're recording this on a Monday. And on uh, Sunday, which is yesterday, that was really the first time I looked to see how many episodes I had to watch. <laughs> <laughs> it was about 2 p.m. When you said, hey, just a quick, you know, you sent a little desk, Discord message. You said, hey, just checking in. You know, everyone's done their homework, you know, ready to do it. I said, oh, yeah, sure. You know, whatever. Almost done. When in <laughs> reality, I had not begun. <laughs> when you said homework, it, you know, it got some bad habits back out. I was like, oh, yeah, we got uh-huh. that covered. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, somewhere around 2 p.m. yesterday, and it being about 7 p.m. today, I began watching JoJo's Bizarre Adventure and oh, watched buddy. about six hours in a row. <laughs> That's yep. that's what it is. Yeah, it's about six hours. Yep. yep. And so so I did that. I watched. Well, so I watched five and a half hours. And then like I do for many podcasts, I wanted to finish it right beforehand. Mm, mm-hmm, you know, I, wanted, mm-hmm. I wanted the end of it to be very fresh in my mind. I like to do that on some range touch podcast. I like to like read the end of a book or the last chapter of a book right before the episode. So, you know, it's really effectively right. So you just saw Jolene taken out on a stretcher. I did. I just saw that. <laughs> yeah, okay. I just saw a rain of poison frogs. I I literally less than an hour ago I was eating I was eating nice. a cactus uh what's the uh the the dish raw that's... raw is the word yeah <laughs> no no uh, no not that the 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 dish that is uh wrapped up in a corn husk you know what I'm talking about mm. oh let me go- <laughs> let me Google oh I, I could probably ask you some JoJo ass question who is the <laughs> protagonist of season two you'll kn- you'll know that but you don't know the corn husk food. <laughs> <laughs> a tamale. You Tamales. need a tamale. Yeah, the, yeah. I was tamale. eating a, ca- a cactus tamale, watching Jolene get beat the hell up, but not really. Got shot. Mm-hmm. Bing, bang, boom. So yeah, I've seen all that. So it's it's all fresh. It's an open wound of uh, <laughs> experience. I, you know, it's not bad. You know, mm-hmm. I, I think some people probably, if you've got a, if you got a guest coming in and they don't know about it, and it's like s- something so resolutely odd, like JoJo's bizarre adventure. I think there's probably a little bit of uh, pleasure in someone else's pain, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, they want to hear me hate mm-hmm. it. I don't hate it. I've read Homestuck. Nothing can harm me. <laughs> <laughs> but before we get into that, I, I want to assure the viewer, uh, the listener, that I'm I'm not looking for anyone's pain. I'm looking for engagement. See, the idea came to me when we were recording uh, an episode that coincidentally came out the day we're recording this on Manga in Theory and Practice, uh, Hirohiko Araki's how-to book. Uh, Cameron, I think you would really enjoy listening to that episode. <laughs> okay. The craft uh, of creating manga. I yeah, see. Oh, yes. it looks like cool. Got a great cover. I'm going to mm-hmm. order it right now. <laughs> uh, it and, better be good, Grant. I'm going to freak out if I'm wasting my money. <laughs> and something that came up, in, I mean, I'm I'm suggesting you listen to the episode. After that, you can decide if you want to buy the book. Nope. But uh, in, in that discussion, like I mentioned that after doing this for almost two years now, after reading the book about how the guy that makes the story mm-hmm. makes stories, I'm not the new guy anymore. Yeah. So I thought, I got I got to get a new guy. We got to be true to how the show began. We got to get a new guy. And the new guys, because again, uh, I did in, uh, invite Michael Lutz as well, mm-hmm. that uh, were on top of my list, are the people who on their shows often say that media objects teach you how to read them. <laughs> Yeah, the, the, it is astonishing how quickly in a JoJo's experience you can just start going, oh, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> yes. So, yeah, what, what was that experience like for this particular television program adapted from a, a uh, 20-year-old manga at this point? 
Well, this is part of the the fascinating thing about uh, the JoJo's, as it were. I have no idea in what order events occurred, mm-hmm. and it doesn't seem to matter. <laughs> like, I don't think I could—I could tell you a lot of what I saw, but I don't think I could tell you what happened in the order it happened, you mm-hmm. know? Mm-hmm. She was in one jail and went to another jail. I can get you that one. She she fought the, <laughs> the woman that makes people small. Mm-hmm. She fought the person that— that takes over other people. There's a baseball fight. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like these are all There's a deadly yeah. game of catch. Yes. Yeah, just a, like a high, the highest stakes game of catch that anyone's ever been involved in. So, but uh, it's it's kind of astonishing how quickly you absorb the rules of JoJo's, and it's partially because they explain it every time. You know, mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. it's almost like children's television. Have Have y'all talked about that before? <laughs> No, no, but I do see what you mean. Yes. Well, it's like, hey, this this is the character. Their name's this. They got a creature that lives in their brain or something. I don't really know. The, I don't know the mechanics here, right? But they they they've got this fella that that lives with them. Uh, their name's Blah. They do Blah. Do you remember what they do after the commercial break? They do Blah. Let's watch them do Blah. There's a complication here. We're going to think about it in monologue for about seven minutes. Next commercial break, let's resolve the blah. You know, it's mm-hmm, very mm-hmm. Um, very formulaic. And if you told me that the, the, <laughs> that the book on how to do it was a book of formulas, I would not be surprised <laughs> if it was just like a shitload of math. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But yeah, so it's that, you know, and part of that is just the like um, broad genre that it's in, right? Like. It's serial media. It's serial media that is obviously produced, if not originally with commercial breaks in it, then it, then it holds on to that as a form. And it never, like, shoots too far from the plotty plot parts, right? Like, at the at the end of everybody, anytime that anyone speaks in the thing, the where we are in the plot and what just happened as it relates to the plot, like the events of things going forward, is always reiterated. You know, it's it's like Mr. Rogers telling us, like, why we're at the candy factory, right? Like, we're here at the candy factory to learn how they make candy. You know, Mrs. Jeff, can you tell us how they make candy? Remember, we're making candy. Remember, there's a guy who controls the weather. <laughs> Speaking of uh, that book being full of formulas, uh, I just put in the Discord chat a picture I took of the back cover that has an excerpt with the big central formula in in the book. Uh, uh-huh. <laughs> it's so central. It is it is the the uh, back cover excerpt that you wow. see while okay. deciding whether to buy this book or not. Kisho Tinketsu. Is that, that it? There it is. There uh, it is. Intro, introduction, development, twist, and resolution. I mean, that's true. Maybe that's all stories. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, the trouble with the world is there's only one story. <laughs> <laughs> it's only got four parts. And notably, right, don't those coincide with the act breaks in a television program? He's figured it out, man. That That's why he's been writing this series for <laughs> about as long <laughs> as I've been alive. Uh, I mean, shout out to him. It's fun stuff. What While I'm uh, uh, trying to decode the results of this experiment, uh, mm-hmm. something mm-hmm. about this selection, uh, this 12-episode hunk, is that it starts and ends with big callbacks to previous parts. How was that? <laughs> oh, I just anytime there's a flashback, I assume that that's a deadly important person that I'm supposed to know about, <laughs> uh, and I just kind of accept that. I was more <laughs> intrigued by the fact that there are multiple references to the film Magnolia. 
<laughs> yeah, the the guy who ends up in prison because he shot the person with a shotgun outside the window as they were killing themselves, that is from Magnolia. It's from the intro to Magnolia. And then the Plague of Frogs is the end of Magnolia. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's weird. Why hasn't there been an Amy Mann stand? Oh, I mean, yeah, that's right. You're, the Save Me. Yes, yes. It could, it could just be called Save Me. And mm-hmm. it would, let's see, hold on, let me let me spin this up. Let me use my powers of uh, wonderment to spin this up. All right, save me, Amy Mann, guitars. Uh, oh, it would be... Uh, Recent Grammy winner for best folk album. No, so we got to go back. I'm, I'm wrong. Okay. It's not save me. It's named Voices Carry. Yes. And yes, yes. It, oh, shit. it like removes echoes or produces too many echoes. Mm, mm, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you can't hear yourself, you can't communicate, but also you can get like a feedback loop going, and it'll like blitz you out, so you gotta run away, because it seems like most problems in the JoJo universe can be resolved by moving about 20 meters away from wherever you are. <laughs> <laughs> and, that, the, that and is... people say that very directly, They're like, I mm-hmm. think my range is only 20 meters, I'm gonna have to go. That that is that is in fact a very like part four of JoJo stand power that would fit right in with the other characters. The the most deadly person, or or perhaps the greatest survivor, is just someone who's very socially avoidant. <laughs> yes, just don't be around. God, that guy with the uh, jumping jack flash or whatever his name was. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Lang Wrangler. <laughs> yeah, he's scary. He's a scary dude. Is he a callback or is he original to this part? He's original. he's original. the the big The big important callbacks are Jolene's dad, uh-huh, yeah. who was the part three protagonist. Jo- Jotaro, yes. Jotaro, mm-hmm. uh, yes. Kujo, Kujo, <laughs> and uh, the the golden man with the big platform elf shoes uh, in uh-huh. the episode twelve flashback. The man who tries to go to heaven. Yes, yes. he is yes. also in a previous flashback. When the sniper guy's powers are being explained, his motivation. Yes. I, yes. I believe he's also in that flashback. He's a, he's a devotee of, of that man, Dio. Yes. Right. So I remembered that. So I thought, okay, this this is like a previous character from some other thing. I did he, get that. He is the main antagonist of both the first and third parts. Ah. And gotcha. also kind of dead after part three. But most of the problems everyone else faces is a ripple effect of that guy. Mm-hmm, just mm-hmm. sucking I, so hard. He seems like a huge <laughs> asshole. Oh yeah. Uh, oh yeah. So I yeah I picked all that up. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Easy. Right. So uh, if you were to keep watching, uh, yeah. you know, for fun, for for personal enjoyment, do you think you would continue on from here, or would you be more? Would you rather like start over from the beginning with with part one back in? This may surprise you, Victorian vampire times. <laughs> Uh-huh. With two young boys competing for father's favor. <laughs> uh, hmm. I, I really got it. I'm really tumbling that one around in the old in the old dome up here. Or I guess option number three, part three, where uh, Jolene's dad is is our big teenage hero. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I guess that's a question. He's the only person I've ever seen from this entire thing. <laughs> I'm only aware of him and his like hat that is also his hair. Yes. Yes. Yeah. He he is the big time poster boy for all of JoJo. He is a yeah okay. Big so big. that's not just me mistaking it. He is like the dude. Yeah, and he he's also just because he is the dude. He is the guy who shows up the most. He's the most recurring JoJo character. Mm-hmm. Part three, part four, slightly in part five, back in six. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I got to be honest. It really kind of so. I I this might be purely sinful to the audience here. Mm-hmm. I watched the dub. Mm-hmm. 
because I had to watch six hours in a row and I just didn't want to read <laughs> sure. that much. Uh, and uh, and also my uh, very brave wife, who people might know from Just King Things, was watching it with me. Someone who notoriously hates all animated media, agnostic of its originary uh, location okay. or form. Mm-hmm. Minions, no thank you. You know, <laughs> uh, any of that. She, she just doesn't care for it. Try to watch Bojack Horseman. Part like, 5 has minions. <laughs> it does. <laughs> Whoa, really? There's a minion? They live in a guy's gun. Cool. Do they like papaya, banana, and all that stuff? They like to eat salami, and if they don't get fed salami, they go on strike. (laughs) And they won't like let the gun go? Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Why didn't you have me watch that? What the fuck? <laughs> they they ride the, they're really small and they ride the bullets and some of them are voiced in the English dub like cowboys and they say yeehaw while they ride the bullets. Is it a kind of thing where the bullet gets you and then they punch you a lot before the bullet goes in you so it's like an they, extra oomph? Kind of. They can kick the bullets to change their direct their their direction mm. like mid-shot. Cool. There's a lot of that. There's a lot of that in this season, too. A lot of bullets oh, yeah. changing direction, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, which is cool. Like, I, I couldn't, can't complain about that. Well, so here's the thing. Wh- who is Joe Joestar? Is that anyone? Did I make that up? Oh, Joestar. There's a Joseph Joestar. I don't think okay. he ever goes by just Joe. Okay. That is uh, Jolene's great-grandfather. Because <laughs> there is the, I, I've learned here about the Joestar lineage, and I, I don't know why I believe this. I thought JoJo's was about a guy named Joe Joestar, <laughs> and I've thought that for years. Close enough. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, but yeah. The 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 bloodline that all further protagonists come from is the Joestar family. Yeah. And is that is that bloodline uh, just does that like allow them to use stands? Or is there some other unrelated thing involved? There's a lot of things There's that have happened to explain stands. It might be aliens. It cool. might be uh, your your inner strength. There there might be mm-hmm. f- faded bloodlines. You, you might have an alien thing touch you, which then awakens a stand across your bloodline, and it might kill your mom. <laughs> cool. Sweet. I, I have another stand-related question really quick. Sure, sure. You can be a person. In uh-huh. the world, just be bopping all around as one does in a, mm-hmm. in, a, in a fantasy world. Yeah, and then you get your finger poked, and it awakens your stand. At least that's what happens here. Something right. happens to awaken your your stand or give mm-hmm. you one. Mm-hmm. Does it yeah. give you one, or does it awaken the one you have? This is this is important too. I guess. This is. I don't know. What do you think? All right, this is made <laughs> up. Okay. All right. Well, then it doesn't matter. <laughs> Something. Okay. But then there are people. Who are born stand users. Yes. Yes. And then it creates the amazing thing where it's like, what's the guy? What's the guy's name? Weather Report? What's his name? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. His name is Weather Report. Okay, great. (laughs) Which is uh, a jazz band, probably the least popular of the the music references so far. I will be honest. I only know Jolene as a music reference in this whole season. So I'm I'm eager to hear you explain these to me. Sure, sure. Uh, Stone Free is a a Hendrix song. There you go. Great. There we go. But so anyway, so the intro of Weather Report is like, his name is Weather Report. His stand is called Weather Report. <laughs> and so I I really didn't know, and I laughed because it is funny. But I didn't know, is that just funny? Or if you're a born stand user, does that mean that your name is just your stand's name? I mean, the way we talked about it last week when we talked about those episodes is that because Weather Report is an amnesiac, he does not know his given name, so he has assumed his stand's name as his oh. name. Yep. 
Wow. But this really goes to one of the uh, strongest things that I think is new about part six, which is the conflation of the person and the stand. Like, yeah, there's that, that, that idealism, that philosophical idealism alien that shows up. Yeah. Yeah. Or even in earlier in that fight, when Jolene demonstrates that she can send out so much string, she does not have guts. Her stand and her body are one in the same. Yeah, it's cool. Which is, to just to inform you, Cameron, totally different from how stands have been previously. Yeah, because they're like a little ghost that lives yeah, outside. They're, they're, they're is... like the Elden Ring guy. That <laughs> lion. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I've seen that. Yeah, it's, it's a common me. Oh, by the way, I've seen Ghost in the Shell as well. Nice. Oh, All course. right. Yeah. <laughs> I just want to make it. got to get that in. <laughs> in case people think I'm a complete fool. <laughs> I mean, I can't, you know, I need to make sure people know. Okay, well, that, that does clarify... I, well, clarifies a charitable work. That tells me more information mm-hmm, mm-hmm. than I had before about this. But but yeah, stands are bodies now in a way that like I'm always reminded of a point I made way back in part three that stands are so divorced and, and unphysical and unbody-like that I always point to that as the reason in part three everyone was really like puking and shitting and eating all of the time. <laughs> There's a lot of poop jokes in part three. There's a there's oh, yeah. a dog that farts a lot. Don't worry about it. And <laughs> well, I guess that's the thing to ask you too. Is like, is the level of like, um, I don't know, like body genres goofery as high in the rest of them? So like, when she's made to strip search and she's like, oh, do you want me on all fours? And she does like all these like kind of you know porny position things, mm-hmm. and that like that's the joke is that she's like throwing it in their face. Is that normal for JoJo's? Is that like new for this kind of thing? Uh, and like it opens with the masturbation joke. I don't think it's new, but the yeah. the uh, specifics are new. Like mm. I think Jolene is the first JoJo we are invited to ogle at all. Like yeah, mm. she she talks about jerking it and then is nude and then is the first JoJo we see in their underwear in that order. And mm-hmm. none of the previous five have done any of those three things. We yeah, haven't seen the- Jotaro in his his underwear at all. No. The fuck. closest you get is literally just shirtless. He gets shirtless once, right? Does he? I think. Like the, I thought this anime oh, no, was popular. What are you telling no, me? No, he doesn't get shirtless. <laughs> he just gets jacketless. I was thinking that bit where he digs the hole because there's an evil killer car that wants to run him over and light him on fire. Cool. <laughs> I do like that you, in your mind, there was this, like, train of things. Well, if his jacket's not on, he's got to be shirtless. Like, what would be (laughs) under there? No. No. It's often poop jokes. It's often... There's a lot of toilet business. But, yeah, the exact expression of that stuff, I think, is new to part six. Mm. And also, it dries up. Like, Jolene's, I, I do believe, starts very sexualized, but then isn't. Just, just, it just stops. <laughs> like yep. we, we made that point, and then we're done. Did you, did you slam a door after that? To no, I got very point? clumsy with a water bottle. <laughs> <laughs> and that's that. Goodbye. Bam. <laughs> <laughs> I said good day. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think that's right. But also, like, it's almost all jokes. Right, like, yeah, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. and it's because yeah. the whole thing's playing with like the women in prison exploitation genre, right? Like, yeah, my my wife laughed very hard when it was revealed that the whole thing takes place in Florida. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <And> <laughs> she really thought that was funny. That's just what Florida people look like. <laughs> yeah, it's just like that. It's just how it is down here. And yeah, ju- just as a funny comparison, the the fucked up skull shapes that like almost every single 
major prison guard has in Florida in this part of JoJo. Compare that to the prison guards you see in several episodes of part five in Italy, where they're all incredibly gorgeous looking. (laughs) There's something being said there. (laughs) That's the difference between Italy and Florida. Mm -hmm, Mm -hmm. It's phrenology. (laughs) Phrenology cannot explain what is happening to, to Loco Rococo. I'm sorry. That man, like... Neither science nor pseudoscience can tell you what is happening with that man. There's like a toxic waste dump right outside the prison or something, right? There's some He's like dunking his head in there and getting exposed to something real bad. Who is Loco Rococo? The, uh, the tiny s- guard with the puppet. Oh, Charlotte the puppet? Yes. You should have mentioned Charlotte. Okay. I mean, come on. Gee, how am I supposed to keep track of everybody? That, <laughs> that little puppet's great. That's some good stuff. Also, uh, oh yeah, sorry, but uh, continue what I was saying before before I start screaming about some other thing. Uh, <laughs> the but yeah, it's all like women in prison stuff, right? Which is a, a very well worn nineteen seventies exploitation film genre, and they like go through all those things, right? So like the female prison guard harassing the kind of like sexy inmate on her way in. That's that's part of that genre, you know. That's like part of this whole history of american cinema and so uh, i think that's part of like the sexualization stuff mm-hmm. uh you know is part of that is like it's playing on those things but then by the time that like the the plot gets going with stands and everything like that we're like you know we're, we're having the kind of monster of the week episode uh kind of format with the the bigger thing stretched over the top of it it's not that genre anymore you know it's like into presumably whatever jojo's is about more broadly yeah um, yeah and th- that is uh repeated across all of the parts like part five is never more of a mafia story than it is before the gang gets together and starts like like trish shows up i guess yeah part one again it stops being about daddy's unloved son and the the wastrel that tries to steal uh the family fortune well now it's vampires uh no, never mind <laughs> we've, we've switched to anime fights with with colored magic punches jack just i have to tell this to anyone who has seen a little bit of jojo's new to it something mm-hmm. that happens literally like episode four of the very very first part of jojo is jack the ripper like the jack the ripper mm-hmm who is now a, a zombie vampire servant, mm-hmm. buries dozens of knives within his body, and then, as a surprise attack, chops off the head of a horse, crawls into its neck, and hides it inside its body so he can jump out in an opportune time to then flex really hard to make the knives shoot out of his body. Does that take a full 40 minutes to set up? It's about two minutes or three minutes. <laughs> well, that's the only two things. That is something I've noticed. Uh, for that kind of thing in the show, it's either set up in 30 seconds or a full 20-minute episode. <laughs> yeah. There's no yeah. in the middle. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's cool. The horse remains standing through the entire process. I do not understand that part Rigor of the hit instantly. Cool. It's different when you get killed by a zombie serial killer, I think. I, I guess. The technique. I guess. <laughs> not a lot of historical figures in this uh, season that you made me watch. Uh, well, I mean, it's set in 2010, and the manga was originally written in the year 2000. So Britney Spears could have been in it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All of NSYNC. S- serving time in, in Florida. Okay. Yes. Uh, you know, I, I'm I'm really, I'm looking at some character names here, and I'm really figured, like, I didn't I didn't put in together that there's a Costello in here. 
Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I didn't realize that FF was named Foo Fighters. I must have missed that. That that is something you miss only getting the English vocal track because they are oh. localized uh, uh, for like copyright purposes, but not in the Japanese voice track. Yeah. Oh my God. So so you would be hearing these Japanese voice actors just shouting Foo Fighters constantly. Got it. Cool. Yeah. So you. And a lot of the time, the the new names just are kind of whatever. Every once in a while, you get something very inspired. For instance, in part five, there is a stand named Craftwork after the band Craftwork that got turned Mm -hmm. localized into English as Arts and Crafts. That's beautiful. Are there a bunch of little cursed uh, children running around in the rest of these? You know, we haven't had a kid character in a while. Yeah, it's been a while. There's uh, the the little money boy in part part four is probably our last child. I'm sorry, a little money boy? There's a little money boy. <laughs> He's a special little guy. Well, so's this kid. He's a little baseball boy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Who has fake stuff, or whatever he has. Ghost stuff. Ghost stuff. What a bunch of horse shit. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah. Okay, so why did I only watch the first 12 episodes? I mean, thank you, but also why Why did I well, end at episode 12? There, there are, I guess, two reasons. For one... Uh, we like to have our uh, guest episodes at regular intervals. Uh, this started as a, a thing we did at the end of parts, but the first part is nine episodes long. The second part is like 13 or 14 episodes long. And we liked that rhythm, even though since then it's meant cutting uh, parts into chunks. The second reason is, you know, who else likes to break things into to big batch chunks? Netflix, who is the international international distributor of Part Six Stone Ocean. These first twelve episodes uh, went live uh, on December first, uh, two thousand twenty-one. So, if you were an original viewer, you stopped right here, and you stopped for what turned out to be nine months. What a mm-hmm. bummer! It sucked. It's not even a cliffhanger. No. Yeah. Yeah. Like you know, you know who everybody is, and you like people got to fight more. They they had to throw in to give it the barest minimum of a cliffhanger was just like, hey, guy who is for some reason named Sports Maximum, look at this bone, <laughs> huh? Look at this bone. Okay, bye. Uh, yeah, yeah, it really sucked. And now, and that's a post credits thing. You can miss that. Yeah. And like I, I'm, uh, uh, <laughs> I'm pulling at my collar. Um, uh, one could theoretically, <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you weren't paying attention, you could, you could not see that. But uh, if you, if you perhaps uh, waited for that little tune to turn on so that you could turn it off and immediately run and record the episode, mm-hmm. I mean, uh, yeah, you might miss that. But I would it's know like that. twenty seconds. But then, the, yeah, the, the the second chunk of episodes didn't come out until like. August or September, September this year? September, September 1st. September, and then the third and final chunk is coming out December 1st. So, like, a way smaller gap between the second and third chunks. The Netflix is very bad at anime releases. I think you could have stopped it. Netflix is very bad. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I think, I think they're uh, buffoons over there. I'm, gi- I'm giving them uh, what for here on the uh, Dogs Must Die podcast. <laughs> on the uh, Chip and Ironicus Network. Uh, well, if we're talking about Emporia, let's just let's just go through our characters, and I guess we should start with Jolene. Mm-hmm. Uh, pro- c- 
comparing her to past JoJo's, I think she's just the most defiant in general, and particularly while rejecting the family, the, the family legacy. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, the story is the most concerned with past parts in quite a while. Like, not, not since her oh, dad yeah. was running around Egypt did we care that much <laughs> about the parts that came before. Mm-hmm. Jolene, for me, is probably one of the my favorite JoJo's because she's probably... Like, out of all the JoJo, she's the one most solidly defined from the, like, episode one. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and is also probably the most consistent because, like, all the JoJo's kind of change a little bit over time and what they are, how their powers work or whatever, just because Araki himself was like, mm, I think this would be better. <laughs> uh, and Jolene, for the most part, is is much more consistent, which, I don't know. She she starts off strong and she doesn't really get weaker over time or anything character wise for me. Mm-hmm. Well, she's because she's weak before the thing starts. Uh, they they kind of get to have, to play it both ways, right? Like the flashback of her in the car with her rich boyfriend. Yes. Oh, um, that that cat. Uh, Zell, whatever his name is <laughs> from Final Fantasy VIII. Uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> he uh Rome- you know, that's right it's romeo and he drives an alfa romeo that's, that's right yes <laughs> that's right perfect uh but uh but you know she's you know like a stereotypical teenage girl you know whatever you know it's a broad type uh, yeah it's yeah. going on there right so we do get these flashes of her being like this kind of innocent whatever but she's like post that the whole thing and again that's very much women in prison or like crime she, films she's like 1970s. instantly hardened as soon as her sentence gets <laughs> yeah. passed down yeah and it's missing the thing uh of those films which is like in those films and the exploitation films that are kind of in this cluster something horrifying would have happened to her right she would have been beaten or she mm-hmm. would have been assaulted or something like that right that and that would be the turning point and that's the kind of exploitation-y part of the thing and so it's really interesting that it follows the kind of genre constraint of the women in prison film or the revenge film. You know, this is kind of in the middle of both of those women in prison films are often revenge films. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it, but, but it like skips that part, right? Like the, the bad <laughs> thing that happens to her is that her dad sucks, <laughs> <laughs> and, which is fine like that, you know, and that's, you know, it's a really, I think, smart way and capable way of taking the parts that, that, are, are fun or like um, interesting about the women in prison film and like kind of turning them and, and warping them into the anime form that you need it to be because she's got to have some sort of uh, relationship with her dad because he's like the fan favorite. So we got to br- find a way to bring him in mm-hmm. and, and he's what a, a delightfully shitty dad. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You've got to come home. You're going to Tokyo. You can't go to Tokyo right now. Right. We get to hear that phone call at least three times. Yeah. Why was he uh, going to Tokyo? Is that a reference? It is not. Uh, <laughs> as far as we know, there there is not some <laughs> some sort of monster that needs to be punched in into the stratosphere in Tokyo uh, when Jolene is that age. He does go to Japan, but not Tokyo. Oh. And okay. also and when Jolene is like four, like is, yeah, is when, when that she's younger. The, the thing you're talking about is yeah, yeah. She's wearing a powerful outfit in that flashback. Yes. Too. It's yep. like it's it's like high fashion. Like the the biggest sweatpants ever made in like a leotard <laughs> that are that go into them. It's it's pretty sweet. Very high fashion. I'm re- I'm really into the big star she has over one eye. That's great. She's got a she's got it on her shoulder too, right? Yeah, that's that is the that is a birthmark actually. That's every Joe star. <laughs> 
has one of those. Much like in Assassin's Creed, they pass down things. There's genetic memory. Yep. yep. And it's the the star. But yeah, I think she's great. I think she's cool. I like that she learns stuff. You know, she learns skills and abilities. Mm-hmm. I like in the like I, maybe the second episode or the third episode where she is climbing on the wall as she's getting bigger and gets her head stuck in a support beam. It's mm-hmm. so you. It's so strangely specific mm-hmm. of a of a thing that could happen to one person. I wish, for Jolene's sake, I wish she had a villain who was a villain in their own right and not Dio's little buddy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because mm-hmm. like, okay. if Poochie is Dio's little buddy, then that just makes her her dad's sidekick, and I I don't want her diminished in that way because no one else has been diminished in that way. Yeah, that's true. Hmm. I will uh, also just one other thing with Jolene that uh, and I brought this up before in previous episodes that I like is that compared to a lot of the other JoJo's, she is probably the most proactive one mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. even when JoJo's are the protagonist, they're not always like the leader of the group or anything. They're probably just the best at punching or something <laughs> like that. Uh, and usually end up defeating the guy in the end when everyone else gets their shit kicked in. But Jolene is like... Case in point, you want to talk about high fashion. We got a... Oh, yeah. Just look in the chat. Look at that dude. Fucking Bruno Bucciarati. I'm looking. What? (laughs) (laughs) There's a lot of chest cutouts in this program broadly. Yeah. See, I I guess what I'm hearing is that if you were to continue watching this, it wouldn't be continuing from here or or going to part one or part three. Just go to part five. You seem to really be into... (laughs) (laughs) What you're hearing about Vento Ario, Golden Wind. No, I think I would finish this, and I think I would finish this this part or this season or series, whatever Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. whatever the the term is, the term of art. Uh, If only because I think by the end, my wife was kind of into it. Oh, okay. We we were joking about a a weather report, whatever his name is. (laughs) (laughs) Having a good time talking about him. The the biggest space nerd in all of Florida. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I just like, there's something really special about the writing of the program. And I don't know if this is a dub kind of thing or if it's some other, you know, I don't know where it originates, I guess. Maybe it's in the manga. But the hyper specificity of some of these characters. So like when they're introducing Weather Report and they're like, he also barely speaks, you know, or he speaks really low. So he has to get really close to you. And then <laughs> that's true. Like anytime <laughs> he is talking to someone, he is overlapping their face on the 2D plane. And uh, and it, also uh, Emporio knows that the, his uh, breath coming out of his nose is, is warm, nice and warm. Right. <laughs> Right, right. It's like unnaturally warm or something, he says. Uh, or maybe pleasantly warm, yeah. Uh, but I don't know. There's something really interesting to me about that, about this like hyper, hyper specific. That That is uh, an Iraqi hallmark. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, going back to manga in theory and practice, the craft of creating manga. When he creates a character, he has like uh, a questionnaire he's made himself to fill out with, was it 60 facts, 80 facts? Yeah, something like that. So if it ever feels like when you're introduced to a character that that either the character introducing them or the narrator is just reading a Wikipedia page, that's because one exists and Araki wrote it for himself. Mm-hmm. Wow. What a interesting man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And is this a this is a shonen jump? Yes. Thing? At okay. this point, so the original is still being published in weekly shonen jump. Cool. Is there an end date or like a arc end? 
the most recent part that ran for many years was part eight. Uh, and that ended... But that had moved to a monthly magazine, not, oh, not right, Shonen right. Jump itself. Okay, okay. Yeah. And he, he has announced there will be a part nine, but I don't believe there is any like date for when that starts yet. If you're asking specifically about Stone Ocean, the story of Jolene, uh, that concluded publication in 2003. Yeah. No, no, I'm talking about okay, uh, okay. the whole deal, uh, you know. Currently on hiatus, like... promised to return with a brand new ninth part, yes. Got yeah. it, got it, got it. So, uh, you know, because sometimes it seems like the mangaka or whatever, they're like, I'm doing X amount and then I'm done. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and you know, wait, that, that X amount might take eternity to do, but they eventually mm-hmm. stop. I've heard this this pirate program has been going on for <laughs> <laughs> 40 years or whatever. Uh-huh. But yeah, it's it's been going for a while and it continues. It feels like, honestly, it'll continue to go until Iraqi is dead. <laughs> Interesting. So really, you're going to be probably you're going to be reading JoJo's the rest of your life. Have you thought about that? Yeah. I mean, the rest <laughs> of somebody's life. Maybe not mine. Well, no, I'm just saying, like, if you're a fan of it, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, I think about this a lot. With Thankfully, with none of the projects that we do. I think about it a lot with <laughs> actors. <laughs> you know, like, all of the projects that we have theoretically will end at some point, right? All the all the podcasts we do at Range Touch. Because uh, they're, pre- they're finite, right? But I think about all the time about, like, actors. I think about Millie Bobby Brown. Mm-hmm. And that I will be seeing Millie Bobby Brown on television and in films until I die. Does that not hit you every now and again? You're like, oh, I'll ha- I'll, I will be experiencing some far part of this like undead media project, this these JoJo's, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No, until yeah, I am dead. I've had those thoughts before. JoJo's probably a thing that I. There will at least be some hard covers of JoJo on my shelf, probably for the rest of my, my life. Yeah, right. It's wild. Yeah, mm-hmm, mm. I don't care for it. I'm gonna live forever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you should become a vampire then. That's how you do it. Uh yeah, so vampirism exists. Yeah, but yeah. not everyone's a vampire for some reason. Vampirism went out of style. I think uh, <laughs> Dio, the the big platform shoe man of several mm-hmm. flashbacks, is I, the last like chronologically last vampire we know about. Let's say that. Yeah, there were some hangover like leftover people in later parts who were not vampires per se, but like mutated into strange creatures caused by his vampiric powers but they were not vampires themselves yeah the last vampire died in the 80s the last va- i'm trying to, that's this is like a cursed is like a basilisk <laughs> in my head are you kidding? the last vampire died in the 80s he tortured a u.s senator to become his his willing puppet but that only lasted for like an episode it's fine yeah he just used him as a chauffeur for a while you ever read the short story blit Mm-mm. So it's a science fiction story, and it's about uh, it's about these. Uh, I'll just read this the the uh, summary, the Wikipedia summary for you. Okay, Blit acronym of Berryman Logical Image Technique is a 1988 science fiction short story by the British writer David Langford. It has a setting where highly dangerous types of images called basilisks have been discovered. These images contain patterns within them that exploit flaws in the structure of the human mind to produce a lethal reaction, effectively crashing the mind in the way a computer program crashes when given data that it fails to process. That's how I feel when you told me the last vampire died in the 80s. <laughs> the last I vampire felt- died just prior to the publication of Blit, actually. <laughs> it was- oh, man. <laughs> he knew. He knew. It's about a hacker who's sending them to people. He's sending them basilisks, and oh, he gets man. caught. 
doing it. And uh, maybe he gets a little bit of a look at one, you know? Mm. It's bad for him. Well, what were we talking about? We were talking about Jolene. We were talking about characters. Do we have any Ermis thoughts? Any uh, Foo Fighters thoughts? Well, while we're talking about our her- her- our heroic trio. I love both of them. Y- yep. Uh, Foo Fighters we haven't got gotten a ton of, but she makes an impression very quickly because she's a weird goblin character made out of plankton and not a person, which is very fun. The absolute revelation of the technology of cups and other drinking vessels. <laughs> yeah. Well, of course I can use a cup. Cups are easy. I can drink and have a cup all day long. That's good. The double whammy of FF both being made out of like a billion little plankton goblins that are very fun looking. Mm -hmm. And then also telling us about like intelligence as a concept beyond or like spirit or whatever. What what does she say? Do do you remember the quotation here? Oh, no. I know what you're talking about. I don't remember it off the top of my head. She's basically like intellect exists before matter. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And yeah. tying it to panspermia just to like prop yeah, it yeah. up on a, a, a actual like possibly provable scientific idea. <laughs> yeah, it's wild. And then she's like, and so there. Then therefore, I'm gonna have you know like uh, an upside down cracked egg head hair. You know, mm-hmm. I'm, uh, I'm like going to skin suit hair. this gleeful uh, kidnapper. Nerd. I kind of wish, like with the description of Atro's crime, I wish we got to know Atro before she became uh, the, the Foo Fighters outfit. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, when I was a child, I wanted to be kidnapped, and I was never kidnapped. And so when I was an adult, I did what children always wanted, to be kidnapped. <laughs> uh, yes, that, I laughed very hard at that entire thing. Is she dead? She dead. Oh, yeah. She dead. Because her, her arm blew up. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right. She's she's sure. dead like Men in Black Edgar. Well, there's yep. also another dead guy in this character or in this thing whose just brain is turned off. And he was underwater for a solid four minutes. <laughs> <laughs> and apparently his body is just, quote unquote, in stasis. So, I, you know, I don't know what kills a person in this world. So, you know. He's a very hearty man beheading takes longer to kill characters than you would expect and that goes yeah. back to part one yeah oh, just, just to let you know jojo's art style has also changed a lot over the parts so if mm-hmm. you go back to part one you will be shocked to learn that every man is a massive seven foot tall beefcake that weighs 650 pounds and it's pure muscle so jotaro was that at the age of 16 17 Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. And he's lost muscle mass, but he's he's still just as hard as he was back then. So yes, despite being brain dead, he's fine. Just they're ice. huge. They're kind of more erotic, I would say. Mm-hmm. Like these these part one characters. Mm-hmm. They're they're they're. I mean, they are big muscle men, but they're like they're a little Tom of Finland. Yes, <laughs> yes, very much there, so. There there is a scene in part one where a man gets his special vampire fighting sun arms flash frozen so he can no longer fight vampires and a man (laughs) thaws that other guy's frozen arms rapidly by placing them up against his bare sizzling abs (laughs) cool (laughs) that man has been name checked in part six yes the speedwagon foundation because he is the robert eo speedwagon founder of the speedwagon foundation jesus christ yep the character with the longest legacy in JoJo's yeah. is a man who never fights. He is on the <laughs> sidelines the entire time. There's yeah. a lot. There's a lot there to JoJo. Is. <laughs> is, is, is the reference or is the name of that uh, pigeon, is that is that a reference or a throwback that's like fun? Oh, the name of the pigeon? 
Yeah, the uh, pigeon gets its own name. Savage Garden. Right, right. it's Savage oh, yeah. Guardian is meant to be Sa- Savage uh, Garden, yes. yeah. Yeah, Savage Guardian. So, so no, that's just like some guy? That's just some pigeon? That's just a pigeon. I mean, it's just it's, a pigeon. What the fuck? It's, an, it's <laughs> named after an Australian band who did a lot of power ballads around the time this was published. <laughs> so does the pigeon get a Wikipedia page? <laughs> like, does he have 80 facts about him or her? You know, I wouldn't be surprised. Well, how do you find all this out? Like, is this publicly accessible somewhere? Can you, like, buy a special book in Japanese and it tells you all the info? There there have been several art uh, art books that have more of that information in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, some of it is just things that come up in conversation, uh, often rather bluntly, that get added to, you know, fan wikis or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think some chapter bumpers even have breakdowns of, like... So, like, the, the mid-episode break, the, the little eye catch, right? Uh, mm-hmm. you, you see a little radial uh, JRPG-style dial with stands, uh, uh, like, stat layouts. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Those are in, like, chapter bumpers and things uh, in, in the manga as well. So that's why we know some characters like favorite food. <laughs> I think there's right. one or two who really love jelly beans or something. I forget, but yeah. Yeah. Well, golly. Uh, one thing. I, 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 you, you, sorry, you go asked ahead. about the other one. Oh no, it's okay. I just you were you asked about uh, uh, what Hermes? Yeah. You ask about Hermes Costello. Uh, hard pass. Oh, she's not very interesting. I don't think she's got a great. I like her uh, power. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The sticker that's cool, but her as a character, uh, kind of not. Mm-hmm. Uh, her storage boob is cool. That's a cool, like, <laughs> badass thing to do. Yeah, to tear open your own stitches for yeah, 50 Yeah, bucks. to, like, put... Yeah, to, like, store stuff inside of your flesh. That's rad. I forgot. What's the... There's a... Ah... Uh, uh, what is the film where someone stores a razor blade underneath their skin? Hmm. Oh, no. You know what? It's a... It's a... It's not a movie. It's a uh, issue of The Punisher. Here's <laughs> <It's> a, <laughs> a comic book. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, he like does that. He gets ki- kidnapped and uh, uh, and he uh, has a has a razor blade like in a wound. And he like fishes Whoa. it out and then attacks. That's it. It's gross. It uh, is gross. But but one thing thinking about Ermus reminded me of is I appreciate that in this uh, uh, heroic adventure story set in a prison, everyone is a criminal. Like no one but Jolene is falsely accused. They they all yeah. like by letter of the law at least ought to be there. <laughs> And yeah, it's like Ermis hasn't done anything big, but yeah, she has stolen multiple times. Yeah, I guess if there is a, a moral divide by crime that also divides our, our heroes and villains, it's like property crime versus murders. That, mm-hmm. that yeah, okay. I mean, who can judge? Maybe Lang Wrangler's uh, a chemistry professor deserved to be stabbed 69 times. <laughs> oh, fuck, I forgot about that. And he like knows chemistry really well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. So I guess he didn't really need the professor. He's he's an independent study. He's got it on lockdown. Mm-hmm. He's a like legitimately terrifying character. To be a character that is so goddamn silly, he is <laughs> actually very scary. There's something scary about those like shoes that are tied to him. <laughs> like that's frightening. He like scrabbles around on all fours. None of that's good. <laughs> Nothing about R- Lang Wrangler is good. Yeah, there's a guy you're no. gonna love in part five. <laughs> oh, dude. <laughs> Who was that? Tell me about it. Oh, God. His name is Seco. It's short for Prosecco because part five has a lot of food names, where part six has a lot of fashion designer names. 
Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Okay. He also has incredible spitting powers, and he is in a puppy play uh, relationship with uh, his uh, his partner in Assassinry. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> keep keep talking. <laughs> and he's like the guy I talked about. How? Uh, he he scrabbles along. Uh, his his stand power is uh, uh, facilitated by his incredible ability to spit at people, and uh, uh-huh. he has a very similar design. Uh, he's oh, yeah. got an all brown bodysuit. He's more feral than Lang Wrangler. <laughs> yes, yes, far more. Yeah, like like if Lang Wrangler had rabies or something, that would be <laughs> this guy. Oh. Uh, yeah, with, with the the added thing of yeah, like the puppy play relationship with a guy who is like an evil serial killer former surgeon who looks like a clown his stand is named green day (laughs) i've got my face in my hands here i don't (laughs) what does that say what does it do oh uh green day uh covers everyone in deadly mold that that just rots them away of course With, with the exception of you have to be traveling downwards for the mold to grow on you. If you keep going higher in elevation, it can't get you. All right, cool, it's I guess. It's real bad, though. It kills, like, thousands of people in Rome. It kills thousands of people. At Maybe least thousands. dozens. At Why least is dozens. no one doing anything about these stands? Is there not a government agency or some sort of, well, of Overwatch that... team for killing well, them? Well, there <laughs> is a, an unarmed chemotherapy research organization. <laughs> the Speedwagon Foundation, exactly. <laughs> But what do they do? A lot of things. The Speedwagon Foundation seems to mostly be logistical, legal, and medical support for all of the various Joe Stars and their friends. Yep. Like if if the world were just, if the world of JoJo's were just, mm-hmm. uh, and we know it isn't because the prison is explicitly modeled on America, so we, it's impossible for justice to exist. But if mm-hmm. if the world were just. That that creepy purple guy would be slapping everybody in the face all the time and knocking their stands out and then storing <laughs> them in a in a some sort of uh, uh, spindle mm-hmm. from 1997 and the, none of these problems would exist. No one should be able to shrink people and make them big. <laughs> I agree. It's no one inmate should have all that power. No, I just thought the the stand discs in part six. If you put those in a CD player and you hit play, it should play a song from the band they're named after. Yes. Of course. And it, and the fact that that doesn't happen is it's cowardice across please, the board. Please, please yeah. never let White Snake get to kiss. I don't just just <laughs> let Ermus keep kiss. I don't want Yeah. We don't need any of that shit. Thank you. Also just just a uh, another fun thing just to throw at you as someone who doesn't know about the other parts okay, of JoJo. hold on. I gotta steal myself. I'm, gri- uh-huh. I'm gripping... Uh, if you could see me, you'd see me gripping both of my things on my chair. Sure. You know, I've got I've got them. I, uh, neck neck veins standing out, going all red like mm-hmm. that meme. Okay, uh, go ahead. Another thing, because you were asking what the Speedwagon Foundation does. Another yeah. thing oh, they yeah. do, another thing they do, which is really just kind of a, a duty left over from the 1920s, is they still have under... In a, in a glass container under UV rays so it doesn't come back to life and cause problems is the husk of the last of a race of beings pre-humans which were kind of vampires and this one is named Santana. <laughs> they just got him under lock and key. Why wouldn't they kill him? 
You know, I don't know. Yeah, they, they killed his friends, Cars, ki- Wham, and ACDC. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Would you like to know where they kept the, the, these remains under lock and key? Probably on an airship or some shit. In I a, don't know. In an underground lab in Washington, D.C., and just judging by the, the like, arrangement of, of, you know, obviously very recognizable buildings in the establishing shot, this seems to be built underneath the plot of land that is now the main Senate office building. <laughs> so... So if your senator gets on the wrong elevator. Oh, uh, I mean, you got to be wary of uh, things that are too smooth. Right? Get it? Mm-mm-mm-mm. Get it? There really aren't that many music puns in the program. No, no. Just names. Yeah. Huh. But uh, speaking of the impossibility of justice, I do think it is interesting that Jolene's biggest obstacle is not the the various assassins sent to murder her it is green dolphin and its systems like when she when they get one over on her it is by leveraging the prison against her and not her abilities right yeah because she would summon up a guy you know a blue lady in sunglasses who whips ass and would beat <laughs> them apart so like you have to create this contrivance <laughs> to, to do that uh so so yeah i mean absolutely um but you know the 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 prison part's just as fantastical to me as anything else is. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, although there's something so good that so much of the plot uh, is bounces off the fact that, like, opening a door is hard in a prison. Yeah, yes. Yeah. All of episode 12 is just, please, guard, guard, please, open the door. Please, guard, help mm-hmm. me. Help open the door. I dropped my key card. <laughs> and her please. biggest wins gain her power over those systems. Like, yeah. Jolene had a key card right there because she kicked a dude's ass and she got to kick that dude's ass because she beat up somebody else to get a bunch of bribe money that she never has to worry about bribe money again. Mm-hmm. Is Stone Ocean a Metroidvania? Oh, shit. Yes. Oh, I hate that. I'm imagining a game in that structure. Is there a JoJo's game? You mentioned this earlier. There, there are several. Basically all some form of fighting game or kind of like arcade style brawler. There, there's an arcade JoJo Battle Royale game in Japan. We are running around this, the, the town from part four and just fighting 99 other JoJos. Hmm. And there's like one RPG from like the Super Nintendo. But from yeah, it's, 1993. It, wow. Yeah. But it's, it's basically almost entirely fighting games. Yeah. With, with hmm. one very well-known classic one made by Capcom for arcades that occasionally gets a new port. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. But no Metroidvania, no. no, no big thing. Wow, there, there's a there's a a handful of like JoJo stands that would work very well for video games, though. Mainly like traversal powers, like with Jolene's string mm-hmm, mm-hmm. or or other things like that. Yeah, or her dad's just be the best at punching forever. Yeah, <laughs> uh, a Star Platinum game would just be a reskin of God Hand. Yeah, basically. yes, for for sure. <laughs> Time stop. He can do that. He can do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's got two powers. It's pretty good. Punching and stopping time. Mm-hmm. Although it does seem like everyone can punch. Yeah, just varying degrees of how hard you can punch. But mm-hmm. yeah, if if you got a humanoid-shaped stand, you're definitely going to be able to punch at 3,000 miles an hour. It's just Are there non-humanoid-shaped stands? Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, there's Manhattan Transfer. Or what was he? Downtown Transfer in the dub. Downtown yeah. Transfer, yeah. What does he look like? 
he was the uh, uh, ceiling fan with uh, car oh. keys dangling from the bottom. You know, that's a funny thing, because I thought, surely there's a humanoid somewhere around here. And I guess in my head, I was just like, that can't be the whole thing. It can't just be a little car keys with, you know, like uh, a hovercraft with earrings hanging off of it. That can't be the whole thing. But yeah, of course it is. Yeah. Okay. Especially right. in earlier parts, there are plenty of non We've had little bugs. Stands. We had just a car. We had just a boat. I was literally about to ask, is there one that's just a car? That seems yeah. so easy. Okay. There, Good. Thank God. There's an episode in part four where a normal ass rat gets a stand power, which is a tiny little, uh, like... It's an artillery piece that is rat-sized for him to climb inside of fire. (laughs) And he shoots little bullets that makes makes things melt into, like, jelly. He melts two old farmers and stuffs them into a a fridge, and they kind of melt into a a human flesh cube that's still alive. That's something. God. (laughs) That one's a nightmare. Jeez, I thought it was pretty messed up when uh, that all that those people parts fell out of that. The, oh, the, the bird, rat? bird the suit. Bird, yeah. yeah, yeah, the bird's pretty suit. messed up. Was, yeah, when that when the head popped off and the little arm came out and ate that food, I was like, oh my gosh, <laughs> what am I watching here? Yeah. Oh, I forgot to. Uh, I had an anecdote prepared for the beginning. Sure, sure, yeah. It. Oh yeah. Uh, I saw a student of mine the other day, like a month ago, maybe after you'd asked me to do this. Mm-hmm. I was just talking to him or whatever. And I was like, oh, he was wearing a JoJo's shirt with uh-huh. uh, uh, the dad, Jotaro, mm-hmm. on on the thing. And I recognized that guy. He's like the one guy I know. Yeah. And I was like, oh, do you watch JoJo's? And he said to me, oh, yeah, I do. Do you watch JoJo's? And I, I like, my fight or flight instinct <laughs> kicked in. And I said, oh, no, no, I just, I just know about it. <laughs> I just know what it is. Because <laughs> uh, I immediately was like, "Oh my god, am I going to be responsible for talking about JoJo's with this kid? I can't do that." <laughs> well, just send him this. Uh, <laughs> it comes out January second, twenty twenty three. Wow! So it's got people are going to be still hungover, yeah, and they're going to be, be tuning into the JoJo's mm-hmm. to talk about the thing. So, what do you do when uh, when there's no program on? Is the show just going hiatus? I listened to some early episodes. Oh, okay. Uh, oh, yeah. Joe, Joe, Joe. I mean, I've listened to, to this show before. Oh, fantastic. Like when you, back when you started it. And then I was like, I have no idea what the fuck they're talking about. <laughs> so I stopped listening to it. Because <laughs> it was very clear. It was like, I need to either learn about this or uh, n- don't do that. <laughs> and, right. Uh, and so I didn't learn about that. Well, um, but, we didn't run yeah. out of show to talk about until a couple months ago. So uh, we are... I mean, over the last month or so, back from our first real hiatus. Oh, I and see. And we, we still, like, there, there's a lot of side things we can talk about eventually, just whenever mm-hmm, we mm-hmm. feel like it when we run out of show. If, there, if a you lot would of... like a JoJo's version of The X-Files or uh, a, a horror anthology uh, uh, or Twilight Zone, perhaps, uh, there are four episodes of a thing called The Spoke uh, Rohan Kashibe that might be up your alley. Hmm, interesting. Nope. So it's just people doing those types of shows, but they also have stands? A a character who's introduced in part four, who has a stand, who is called at least once by the author, an author insert, being in like horror Twilight Zone style uh, stories. Yeah. Huh. The, the character himself is like the world's ultimate mangaka. 
and he lear- he he's all about experiencing anything and everything in life to give him inspiration for more stories <laughs> which and turns so out to si- include a lot of ghosts yeah and so yep. the, these side stories that are basically all the x-files or twilight zone style things yeah him just going places getting caught up in spooky hijinks when he's just trying to find new stories or inspiration to write about hmm. it's divorced enough from jojo that while he still uses his own stand power there are no other stands involved it's just like literal ghosts every time or other paranormal things and so like in some adaptations of it including the live action tv show they don't even explain what stands are they just say this guy has a power and that's <clears> it <throat> Don't worry about it. Just trust me. By the way, his power is to open up people's faces like they are literal books, and he can read the pages of their face to learn everything and anything about them. And if he writes anything into their pages, they do or know or believe or don't do whatever he wrote. It is the most overpowered stand in all of JoJo, but he just uses it to make manga really good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that seems pretty big. Oh, so here's a question for you that I will will probably never learn the answer to. Sure. What is actually wait, White Snake? What's his name? Is White he snake. actually called White Snake yes, in the original? He is. Okay, yeah, Pale Snake. And I was like, that's got to be White Snake. Yep. What uh, what is actually his deal? Like, he can he can clock you in the face and knock your memories out of your brain. Okay, mm-hmm. that makes sense. But he's like e- eating them in that room. Oh, the goo room. Yeah, yeah the goo yeah, room. Yes. Uh. It's it, yeah. The, the like separate other power is to put people into a dreamlike state that slowly dissolves them, basically. Oh, okay, and those are just kind of unrelated. In, to one in addition to treating both your memories and your stand like ejectable uh, memory, sure. Mm-hmm. Right, okay. and and swappable right. because he's just I don't know stolen a lot of stands and then gives them to other people and points them at Jolene over and over again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that uh, unfortunately named Mary Lynn Manson. <laughs> uh, yes. uh, you know, it's like, ah, oh, well, that's a bummer. Uh, that stand is terrifying. Mm-hmm. And it's going to knock your organs out of your body. <laughs> <laughs> really underselling the value of a liver, I have to say. Like, I checked market right? rates. You know what? Literally, my wife said that very <laughs> She was like, $560? What? The, the the liver market in in 2010 really crashed. It was a that's bad what, year. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, right. Yeah. Like you know, the housing market goes first, and then the organ market goes after. We know that. That's mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. part of economics. Clearly, you've never taken macro. Onion futures <laughs> are really the bellwether you got to watch out for. Uh, <laughs> so while we're talking about villains, I got I got a question. Do we think like if, if you're to go back uh, uh, after the part the episode 12 flashback and look at yep. all of Pucci's like monologues about uh, the power of God and, and uh, seeing uh, heaven. Is Dio the God that Pucci serves or indirectly like his image of who God is? I believe I so. Like the, the way his Pucci name is speaks... Dio after all. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, <laughs> mm-hmm. the way Pucci speaks of Dio mm-hmm. certainly makes him sound godlike to me. Like at the very least, he is Pucci's path to heaven. He is the source of salvation. I think mm-hmm. I don't think Pucci is a Christian anymore. He's a, he's a Dioist. Did Pucci ever realize Dio is a fucking vampire? <laughs> Just look at him. I mean, yeah. Is that book that tells you how to get to heaven? Is that a plot point of another season? That's new. Or is that that's just brand new? Oh, that's brand new. Just that's no one's new. talked about that before. That's 
Yeah, that that okay. whole thing about Jotaro finding the book right. that that has the methodology of reaching heaven or whatever. That is basically a retcon or like insert like almost immediately after the end of part 3 where Jotaro is the protagonist. Mm. Yeah. From the way that part three is done, it looks like there's about two hours in which that whole thing could have occurred. Yeah. Well, I don't, I can't answer the question about whether or not he worships DR. I don't have enough context or information, but, but given what I do know of the show so far, which is, is about six hours or so, Mm -hmm. if in the next episode it was revealed that God is like a pebble and you know it like lives in his pocket <laughs> and, and talks to him i'd be like yeah of course <laughs> like yeah mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. i you know what i mean like i just feel like the structure of the thing is such that i don't have to think too hard about this sure yeah <laughs> i feel like that, that that's the thing i feel confident about jojo's if it's going to matter this is much like homestuck mm-hmm. if it's gonna matter they'll tell me yes yes yeah 100 yep. I, should, I shouldn't speculate too much because they'll let me know if the thing matters yeah 100 percent but this show is literally the Garth Marenghi subtext is for cowards, <laughs> <laughs> like thing in every scene. Yeah. Oh, uh, are there more scenes like when they were racing to see who cause, whose blood would boil first? Is that a big like part? Because that's two episodes essentially of one scene, mm-hmm. you know, of one action sequence mm-hmm, mm-hmm. of hey. people like bouncing back and forth on making other people die quicker. <laughs> oh yeah, that that is that like a common like kind of big fight structure. I mean, Man in the Mirror comes to mind immediately. <laughs> oh, yeah. That one it, for sure. Yeah. The, 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 fight, the fights in each part all follow like the same format, but the way they're accomplished is a little different in execution. When you, if you went all the way back to, like say, part three and saw the stand fights there, they're a lot more um, punch-based. Yeah, 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 yeah. At least mm-hmm. until you get closer to the end. And then from part four onwards, it's a lot more galaxy-brained, trying to outwit your opponent so you can land a single punch style thing rather than just trading blows the whole time. And, like, the, um, the big move, the big move that, that we both just, like, pop for every time it happens is when uh, someone misses intentionally because their attack that looked like it was useless was actually disguising what their real attack was all along. It happens a lot, and I love it every single time. We, we have dubbed it JoJo's Trick. It is JoJo's Trick. <laughs> and it's not just JoJo that does it. Everyone can do Everyone. it. Everyone. <laughs> Even villains. Friend and foe alike, yes. <laughs> I mean, yeah, of course. Like, that's, that's what's got to happen. Like, that's the way you do it. If people can counter your actual attack, well, your actual attack can't be your attack. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. That's basic math. Kind of along the same lines of trying to just make the other person's blood boil faster before you do the same. Mm -hmm. Uh, There is, in part five, a fight where a dude... There's there's a guy who we showed you in the chat earlier, Bruno, the guy with the big chest window. Mm -hmm. His stand is called Sticky Fingers. Okay. Uh, And his whole thing is that he can just conjure zippers on anything and open that zipper to say unzip a part of your arm off or unzip a hole in the wall so you can escape where in a place where you otherwise couldn't unzip a human being and hide inside of them <laughs> uh things like that and, and there and in every fight he seems to be intentionally trying to die <laughs> yeah th- this dude this is a crazy motherfucker and there is one extremely good fight where 
They are on a running train. Everyone is either dying because they're breathing gas that makes you turn into an old person very fast or trying to not die from the gas while fighting a dude who has a fishing rod that can pass through walls and seeks out human heartbeats. And to avoid the, the, this fishing rod that can you know, seek you out and like pull your heart out of your body, he unzips his own body into very small chunks and then karate chops his heart in half, so he unzips it into different parts. And this is all just to disguise himself from an evil fishing rod. And that's after he unzips <laughs> the side of the train to throw himself on the tracks below. Yeah. <sighs> that's a lot. <laughs> that's a lot you're dumping on me right now. The big watchword of part five is determinazione. And uh, no, no one lives up to it better than Bruno. <laughs> yeah. So are all these like 24 episodes? Uh, they're usually 36, around... 36 to 39 oh, oh, is right. the, yeah, right. the, I don't know, the median, I guess. The yeah, huh. part three is longer because it's like the most famous popular part. And so parts one it, and two are much shorter, much, much shorter. Yeah, they fit into one season of 26 episodes. Well, I got to be honest. I don't know if I'm going back and finishing this. <laughs> <laughs> Although, like I said, I didn't hate it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's pretty cool. It's good stuff. I mean, I... Um, expected the answer to be no i expected you to watch zero episodes of stone ocean and you watched 12 so <laughs> i did <laughs> yeah they they were they are interesting it's an interesting uh program uh i'm actually maybe more interested in reading the manga mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah it is ultimately a question of speed for me in some ways which is right. like i like the plotty plotty plot parts of the thing i actually like uh you know the way the characters interact with one another but the genre format of the way the anime works right mm -hmm. where it's like here 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 is a scenario that occurs we are now going to get the introspective parts from both of these characters that are given to us through vo that is put over yep. still screens that we like kind of slowly scroll over like that to me like you i i think that would might actually work for me better on the page than yeah right it like is sitting right. through it like the these adaptations are pretty damn faithful so yeah all that that style stuff it that is like panel for panel the same and it, mm -hmm. yeah, it certainly does go faster and maybe flow better in manga form. Um, mm -hmm. Very easily accessible too. It's on like the yeah, Viz yeah. app. It's there's plenty of uh, fan sites that have like the colorized editions for download too, which uh, generally look quite nice. Just just mm. to uh, provide the counterpoint, there are certain stand abilities and uh, uh, action beats that are much much clearer to read when That's animated. True. That's true. Oh, some of these things have got to be deeply confusing. Yeah. <laughs> the the main antagonist's power in part five is like a well-known meme or, or joke in the, the fan community because uh, on top of it just being something that's very hard to portray in still panels, it also had a very bad fan English translation for the longest time, which made it even more confusing. But when you watch the anime... It is extremely easy to understand how it works. What was it? Was it do? Um, it obliterates time. That is the yeah. way they describe it uh, uh, in in a nutshell. But basically, very observant people notice that suddenly they they have seconds of missing time, and what happens in that time is that the the villain man is able to act freely and subvert causes that lead to the effects he sees coming because he can also see several uh, uh, seconds ahead in order to plan these moves. 
Uh, yeah, I can see how this might be difficult to depict. Difficult to depict in still images <laughs> on a comics page. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Where every panel border is seconds of lost time. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Animated, though, makes a lot of sense. Yeah, 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 yeah. When, when you, when you get s- that sweet 24 frames a second. When, when you can easy. see a guy throw a punch and then the animation skips several frames and the guy is elsewhere. Yeah, a lot easier. Oh, speaking of all of this, so uh, my like power went out or like blinked a couple times. Oh dear! Uh, I guess a couple days, not right now, but like a couple days ago, before I started watching this, and I hadn't used my TV uh, between then and there, and so it like reset my it reset my TV to default values, including turning the like motion smoothing oh, all the way dear. on. <laughs> and oh, so no. JoJo started, and I was like, "What is this?" I was like, "Oh my god, god. this looks wild as shit." <laughs> and I made it about five minutes in, and I was like. All right, this is kind of making me motion sick. I think something's wrong. And so I had to go in. So I was getting like a solid 60 hertz or something out of the, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, the JoJo's experience. And so uh, I, I probably would have noticed missing time. Mm-hmm. Um, but also there's weird stuff like that, even in this series of uh, like when they're in the dream zone, you know, and mm-hmm. the whole episode happens in the fake dream. Mm-hmm. And then they're like, but your your handcuffs were gone. You know, I was like, well, this is a it's a. It's just like a fantasy cartoon. It's like, maybe that's just gone. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. that didn't yeah. bother me at all. And I was like, oh, this is like the plot. I see. <laughs> like, it, like in a, in, a, in a program in which moment to moment, like, the wildest things occur. You know what I mean? Just like, oh, yeah. yeah someone, you get shrunk. In literally one frame transition, you are shrunk to the size of a mouse. <laughs> I'm supposed to wonder about these handcuffs? <laughs> like, you know, like, oh, yeah, the breadcrumbs here were not really sufficient to the, the task in front of them. I thought that was cool. I th- yeah, I think I think the whole thing is great. I really like when the uh, the sniper guy mm-hmm. uses his special ability to shoot apart that sewer pipe that that kid was hiding in. Yes, yes. Oh yeah, that's some real specific shit. D- dropping a, a a bullet jacket onto a fly that's in midair. Yeah, that's very cool. Although I believe Bullseye in the Daredevil <laughs> film already did that. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's uh, a close one. What came up first? Yeah, what came up first, actually? That's almost the same, like, time. Yeah, yeah. Colin Farrell is bullseye doing all that stuff. That was it's 2003. Oh, oh. A Rocky predicted Ben Affleck's Daredevil. Oh, man. I mean, that could be the case. It wouldn't surprise me if whoever was working on Daredevil might have... I mean, that, y- yoink? That's, that's the price you pay for uh, t- lifting from Magnolia. A 1999 film, huh? <laughs> yeah, that's super weird. Have, did y'all notice that when you were watching it? Was that, I did that, not. That only no. stuck out to me? No, yeah, yeah. Thank you. Later on, does someone, like, get picked up when a plane's picking water up to put out a forest fire? Does that occur? <laughs> mm. Well, I mean, there, there is a uh, deleted scene that uh, uh, Paul F. Tompkins worked really hard on and embarrassed himself <laughs> while recording, but... Uh, <laughs> But the one with Patton Oswald, that's in the series. <laughs> Patton Oswald just walks up. He's the he's the warden. God, Patton Oswald as Loco Rococo, though. Oh shit, that would be pretty good. Yeah. Uh, okay, since we bring up the Magnolia thing, another thing I just mm-hmm. have to tell you, just so that you know about it. Uh, in part four, the the character we mentioned before, Rohan, the the <laughs> the the author's self insert. Grant knows what I'm about to mention. Yes, yes. Uh, there's a part. Yes, he has refined an, tastes. He he. There's a part in this story where it's not a life or death thing, although he certainly wants it to be because he's a crazy motherfucker who chops his own pinky off. 
uh, during cool. this thing. Uh, they're 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 playing dice games with the JoJo of that part. Accidentally, a house fire starts. His house is in flames while they're doing this. A magnifying glass accidentally started a fire or whatever. And <laughs> like uh, the next episode or whatever, Rohan is very angry at JoJo for his kind of causing his house to burn into flames. And the thing he is most upset about is that all the furniture in his house, you know, got burnt to a crisp. And all of that furniture was from the movie Pretty Woman. <laughs> you know, it the was furniture. Like set furniture from, from it the movie? It was set furniture from okay. the movie Pretty Woman. <laughs> Remember the chairs from that movie? I sure do. Yeah. <laughs> cool. And this is the self-insert character? Yeah. Yes. Like, he seems to Rohan's be... Rohan's looking cool. Ro- Rohan looks fucking Rohan cool. Rohan has the most outfits, too. <laughs> He's yeah. always looking... So- Every every arc he shows up and he has a new look. It's great, but uh, I think that Rohan is Araki's idealized self professionally, and then yeah. he balances it out by making him the most miserable person to be around. Yeah, he he's a huge fucking asshole. He's like he sucks, <laughs> but he rides such a fine line where you still like him, and all the other protagonists in the show keep him around too. What's his uh, stance? Oh, that's uh, the one I told you about. The the, the he the he can book. read people's memories and write in them oh, and erase oh. their their lives. Oh, got it, got it, got it. Didn't realize. The same he, guy. I mean, okay. he as the manga artist and the self insert, he has the most like meta capable stand, I guess. Right, right, yeah. What a thing! What a series of great outfits is is the the fact that Rohan has the furniture from Pretty Woman in his house is that on his little character sheet that Araki makes for everyone? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I have to hope so. I hope if so it's too. not, what an oversight! Yeah, I don't think that's a, a fact you get to in the moment. You know, <laughs> <laughs> like you've already decided that, I, and you figure out a way that. to represent yeah, yeah. it. Yeah. The, the only reason that they had his house burned down is so he could drop that <laughs> right. fact in conversation. Mm-hmm. That's great. That makes me want to watch that. So, so that season is like the one or that that series, whatever that era. Mm-hmm. Is the diamond is unbreakable? Is yes, that, is that yes. the one? That's part four. Okay, yeah. that that okay. is the shiny, happy slice of life season that becomes a serial killer hunt. Get them, get that serial so, killer. Some people compare it a little bit to Twin Peaks, and you could certainly mm. see inspiration from that in there if you wanted to. It sounds like you don't believe that. I don't know how intentional it is, but it certainly it certainly shares similarities with it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm. Uh, Laura Palmer. Oh yeah, Arnold Palmer. <laughs> They're always just drinking Arnold Palmer's. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Ray Wise mm. is in the English dub. Yeah. <laughs> what would, would Ray great. Wise's stand that would, be? That would be great. If Ray Wise had a stand, what would it be? Theme from RoboCop. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Isn't his stand just Bob? Oh well, yeah, I mean in the <laughs> Twin Peakiverse, right? But yeah. there's got to be a, like Ray Wise in real life. In real life, sure. Yeah. Hmm. I think it'd be like a big. It would be a martini glass mm, mm-hmm. uh, with an. But the olive could talk. <laughs> it'd have an olive in it, and the olive could talk, and it could shoot a laser out of the like little olive hole. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. And it would be called Material Girl for some reason. No one knows there why. You <laughs> yeah. There you go. It's good. Or it'd be. T- it would be called like uh, Eric Wareheim. <laughs> oh sure. Yeah. The it's the the his stand somehow replicates the shawarma scene from the the Eric, Tim and Eric movie yeah right right yep it's good stuff this is almost this is like on our uh, on the range touch monthly podcast where uh Danny my co-host for that 
enjoys this game unmatched. Do you know about this game? Unmatched? Okay, so you don't you don't need to. Mm-hmm. People who are range touch people are going to be super pissed off them bringing this up because you <laughs> will not shut the hell up about it. And we have to talk about it for 20 minutes a month. But what they do is it's like a card game, blah, blah, blah. But they release these sets that are like, oh, uh, let me, I'll tell you. It's like Battle of Legends, Medusa versus Arthur, like King Arthur. Hell versus yeah. Versus Alice from Alice in Wonderland hell, versus oh, Sinbad. I know who I'm betting on. <laughs> Right, and so like, and these are each decks, and so often I like to spin up some ideas about like who who they haven't done yet. So who should we do? Right, and, mm-hmm. and it's always like some weird historical figure, some mythological person, some uh, person from the nineteenth century that's in the public domain, and then just a random mythological figure. Okay, the Monkey King's in there. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. stands. Mm-hmm. Now that I have the language of stands, I can talk about that too. Yes. Yes. So so this has given me a a new skill (laughs) to make me unmatched in my talking about this card game unmatched. Uh, I had a few like minor points left in my notes Mm -hmm. to bring up that I don't think are terribly interesting because we all we touched on them tangentially at least. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like how you know this one is a lot more protagonist centric than Part Five to the point that I do think it's to say. Uh, Ermis's detriment in comparison. But oh yeah, she's like barely a character in yeah. stuff yeah. that we watch. Part six is like we still kind of sort of haven't been introduced to the full cast. I mean, one guy seems to be getting introduced, and then he walked out of the room. <laughs> yeah, he walked out of the room, and we got to <laughs> wait. He practically for... said, "You shall wait nine months to meet me." Good day. Yeah, we got to wait for him. We just barely met weather forecast. Uh, yeah, Ermis does get more focus on her character. Like, uh, let's say next episode. Ah, ah. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Um, and I, I do, I do like her, but it does take a while before we get any kind of like, yeah, real focus on her. Like at the, the point we we're at right now, Emporio has got gotten more fo- focus. Anyways, I, and like, what do we think about Emporio? What's, what's up with this little man? This very, very little man. I thought he was definitely like a clone of some pre-existing character or, re- or a reincarnation perhaps <laughs> of a villain. Like I definitely mm-hmm. thought he was evil. Mm-hmm. He's he is a sinister presence sl- slinking around in the trash and whatnot. Yeah. Well, and we find out later that he brings the trash can with him. Yes. The trash can was in his pocket yeah, the whole like time. Yeah, like Looney Tunes style. Yeah. He's going to pull out a whoopee cushion on there and make you sit on it. <laughs> Why not like a gun, you know, like you're like a little kid, like why, you know, in this like murder jail that killed your mother, your mother was dissolved and you're carrying her, I don't, crotch around. I don't even know what that thing was. Yeah, it was her, it's like her tailbone. Apologies to <laughs> tailbone enthusiasts out there for not recognizing You're in the that. neighborhood. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he's like just doing all that stuff, right? And it's just like, I don't know. I just thought he was nefarious in some way. I found Emporio more interesting before he explained ghost rooms and was he was so chatty uh uh when it's time to like bring jolene in into the music room and introduce a friend and like oh there goes the other guy never mind and <laughs> mm-hmm. he just lost a lot of mystique when it's like i i can taste this juice but not drink it let me demonstrate by the way i know for a fact you only have 20 minutes to to meet a bird <laughs> <laughs> yeah don't don't waste my time, little guy. Don't waste my. I, if he were I, wearing a socks uniform, I would cut him more slack. I I can admit this. <laughs> what? Well, yeah, is that an official uniform he's wearing? What's that symbol? 
It was. It was when these episodes originally dropped straight up a Chicago Cubs uniform. And then they went in and edited the animation. I mean, the, the same way that uh, uh, Kiss is Smack, you know, and right. <laughs> White Snake is Pale Snake. It is now... I guess the the Green Dolphins baseball team for Green Dolphins. Yeah, prison. so I had a dolphin. Yeah. yeah, okay, okay. That's why I was wondering. Cowardice. I really do like the idea of the ghost room thing as a power. It just feels like like yeah, it was introduced too soon and and yeah, ruins the mystique of him cuz I just like this weird mysterious child who knows way too much about things just kind of appearing and disappearing somehow in a prison. I would have personally preferred to have kept it that way for longer if if we're going to lose the mystique i hope we at least keep having very very strange facts to say i i do enjoy hearing about weather reports nose breath that's yeah that's the silver lining here yeah the yeah emporio continues to just be a a weird quiet little child who despite being like a, a flesh and blood kid feels very ghostly i guess something else i noticed that I want to bring up like Speaking of last week's episode, uh, it struck me that a lot of Jolene's, like, big hero moments and really dynamic, like, you could slap this on a poster poses, are her emerging from stuff. And I wonder what we think about that. Like, is that tied to her trying to get out from under her her dad's legacy? Mm. And and is is that what the emergence is all about? Or... Is it just cool to be in something and then not be in it anymore? I think from a Rocky standpoint, I think it was just, it's really cool to see her burst out of shit. Mm-hmm. And that it, it just it does keep, keep happening. happening. It keeps happening. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to remember, because I, I finished reading all of part six a while ago, and I'm trying to remember if she continues to do that in later parts, but I, just, I can't quite remember right now. But it certainly happens quite a bit in these first 13 episodes. Yeah. It is cool as shit, though. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's rad. She screams her cocoon open. It's great. <laughs> also the Jojo that just takes the least amount of shit, I think. Even more than Jotaro, who sits there and tolerates your crap for a while before he pounds your face in. And Jolene just wants everything to be over right now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Th- them meeting in the, uh, in the visitation room is such a good scene. It's so good yeah. to just see the, the compare and contrast with them actually face to face finally. Really kind of threw me through for a loop that it's the Overwatch cowboy coming out. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> I wasn't. I wasn't into that. That kind of uh, bummed me out. In the English dub near the end of part three, they do make him say it's high noon. That's bad. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna have to send an official letter in about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, because he just sounds like the cowboy. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like not not. I want to criticize a voice actor. Vo- voice acting is very difficult. I can't do it. Uh, but it is kind of a bummer to be like, ah, this sounds just so close to And like, that's that guy. probably part of why he was cast, because the biggest inspiration is Clint Eastwood. <laughs> yep. I'm sorry, what? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Jotaro is based uh, more than any other source, for characterization at least, on uh, the man with no name. Yes. Mm-hmm. I thought you were suggesting it could be like the the Eastwood of Gran Torino. Gran Torino oh, no. is a shout out in manga and theory and practice, the craft of creating manga. It does, it does. It does. What? <laughs> what? Gran Torino was not released when Jotaro was being created in, in the 80s, of course, but Gran Torino got folded into... <laughs> uh, uh, uh-huh. All right. 
So this Iraqi fellow is pretty odd. Odd duck. Yes. Is what you're telling yes. me. There's a lot of like things that recur in his work with Jojo that you haven't even really seen in these 13 episodes. Uh, this dude fucking loves art history. The Statue of David is like, once you hit like part five, all the dudes are, are based off of David, basically, like physically. It's not, it's in a later part, but like he, over, he loves the golden ratio also. <laughs> and that like straight up becomes a, a big thing in a later part of Jojo, the concept of the golden ratio. Wow. Yeah. Like, for instance, say the golden ratio is so perfect that objects fired in the spiral of the golden ratio perhaps generate unnatural amounts of destructive force. Cool. <laughs> Let's say. <laughs> yeah, a lot of art history shit. He fucking loves Italy. That's why part five is all Italy. But even before mm-hmm. part five, there are tons of excuses to put Italian cuisine or history in there. This is a guy who everything he he loves makes it into JoJo in some form. And of course, cool. he has like little artist statements as, you know, bumpers and, and in book jackets. Mm-hmm. I've linked one in the chat. And everyone I every time I see one of these, I just imagine it being read by Will Ferrell's Harry Carey. Oh, God. And it fits perfectly. <laughs> uh-huh. I'm just going to read this out loud. Yeah, Can I do that? Please. Where's this from? Uh, I don't know what volume or whatever but this this is just uh one of his author statements that i really admire the idea of a tree house (laughs) those things where american kids make a hiding place up in a tree somewhere in a big garden and play poker and that sort of thing man i wish i could do something like that now in brackets sidebar this is an adult man (laughs) he could do that if he wanted to yeah okay back to the thing but now I'm getting fixated on the idea of someone living on a mountain ski lift. A life house. It would be an all-electric, super high-tech house. <laughs> You'd move through the air on cables. You'd have everything you need, and it would be comfortable and easygoing. Man, mamazuku sans awesome. I just love the idea of harvesting a field from right above it, and then being able to cook it straight away. mamazuku san please invite me over sometime. What the fuck is this? What is this? <laughs> What is this introducing? Something about burly men punching each other is what comes right after that. Like <laughs> this is uh, this is him talking about Superfly, right? Yeah. This might be an idea that becomes Superfly. There is a stand that is basically this. Yeah. Who has a treehouse? Who? Uh, there, and he lives in a there. There is resort? like a off the grid freegan who looks like an elf. Uh who lives inside a disused electrical tower and has turned it into like the ideal treehouse. His stand Superfly inhabits the electrical tower and causes it so that whoever walks within the confines of the electrical tower cannot leave the boundaries of it without being turned into metal. So you get trapped in there. He is a prisoner of his own uh-huh. super rad treehouse stand because it's sort of like a hot potato trap. Yeah, so he desperately uh-huh. tries to lure people in there so he can escape. Uh-huh. <laughs> cool. That's going to come up again later. I'm going to need to know that. And this even comes up, the, 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 like, this is a theory we both had where, like, if anything very odd and, like, kind of super specific gets said or is the premise of a fight or whatever and it feels way too specific 
it is almost definitely because Araki was interested in that subject or read about it in like a wiki hole style situation mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and then had to put it into his work in some way. Uh, and when we read his book about making manga, that is exactly what is happening. That's why so he's kind of like a like a Japanese Stephen King in that way. <laughs> Perhaps, one yeah. one could make the comparison. I mean, you've you've seen the fan art one of our listeners made, if yes. you'll recall, oh, yeah. of uh, Stephen King and his stand. Let me. Oh yes, I yes have. yes I did. I'm sorry. I was like I'm like what are you? But yes, now I do remember. He's even wearing Jolene's pants in this, or yes. at least he, yes, he's he got the the danglies bolted to the legs at least. Oh yeah, look at that! Wow, that's right. That's a that's the, great. That's lobster that's great heel art. art on Twitter. All all one word. Well, I don't know why you're not reading their uh, actual username, which is Nippleless Cage. <laughs> Good. <laughs> that's great. This is scary. <laughs> <laughs> I think Stephen King should have a big beard in this image. Mm, That's my mm, feedback. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, but I, the, but the crotch is right in terms of JoJo's. Like the pants are way too big for some reason. <laughs> but it works works great. A plus. Uh, is there a reason that uh, the priest is Italian? Is there a reason that I mean we could just say that Araki loves Italy, but I don't. I don't mm-hmm. know. I don't know. He's a Roman Catholic priest. Yes, specifically. How Catholic is Florida? I honestly don't know. I mean, yeah. the, originally uh, not, spe- not. settled by the Spanish, you know, there's... Eh. Right. Well, I guess I have a bigger question. Maybe, uh, you know, Chip, this is the thing you can answer, having read the whole thing. You don't have to spoil anything, obviously, but I guess uh, you, you can tell me if the question is answered or not. Right. Pucci is brought into... Uh, who's Dio? Yep. Okay. So so Dio talks to him like a billion years ago, mm-hmm. whatever, in the 80s, <laughs> about his plan to get to heaven. Mm-hmm. And within Roman Catholicism, all you need to do is, you know, do the ritual, right? And get your last rites and you get to go to heaven. Right. So is the plan not just trick someone into becoming a priest and giving (laughs) you all the stuff that sends you to heaven? (laughs) No, it is. Is that not just the plan? That seems very easy to me. No, it is a far different plan. This is why I think he's a deist. I I just think he's wearing the vestments, but not really Catholic. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Got it. Got it. Because that seemed easy. That seemed pretty pretty efficient. Oh, no. Th- this this requires far more work <laughs> to okay. get into heaven. This is a lot more complicated multi-step plan. It seems to involve Dio's bones and a man named Sports oh. Maximum. <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, I just thought, you know, that would be kind of like a departed situation, mm-hmm. you know? <laughs> right. You just yeah. got to get your man on the inside who's going to help you. <laughs> But okay, well that's interesting. Oh. Maybe I'll wait, wait. Maybe when the uh, the whole thing comes out, right? Because you said it's coming out in like a few, just a few days from this from, recording. From now, a few yeah. days, yeah. Yep. Okay, so yeah, maybe I'll maybe I'll finish the thing. If I do, I'll send you a message. And I'll tell you what I thought. Sure, sure. Maybe not six hours a day. May, maybe don't do well, that's that. That's the thing is like it's gonna feel good to just like sit down and watch one and do something else mm-hmm. with my day. You know, that's gonna change the dynamic a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I I guess one more thing. Uh, how did you like the episode where White Snake in the English dub kept saying McQueen? <laughs> I I did worry. I did wonder what was up with that. What was up with that? He just likes saying McQueen like that. He just oh, okay. and like Poochie doesn't talk worried. like that, but White Snake does. Like it's clearly an actor's yeah. choice to to have. Well, they're kind of different guys, right? Like, yeah, yeah. 
this is a thing that happens in JoJo's. Like some mm-hmm. stands have their own personality because a lot of stands j- are just ghosts that punch or do mm-hmm. whatever, and they never. Right. Say- Every stand and user, at least voiced stands, share a voice actor. That is an mm-hmm. immutable rule. Okay. But uh, the like relationship between stand and user is often unique. Like they're they're always finding little tricks, little differences. Where like the standard is, it's my guy that does what I say. Like, like Jolene and Stone Freeze relationship, if you can call it that, pretty standard. But there's mm-hmm. all these little exceptions and little shades of exception. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like there, there's a very good boy in part four whose stand is more like a Digimon because it evolves into multiple different types of stands until it it's until one becomes very one. sassy and spells out its swears yeah it's, <laughs> he's a very nice boy but his stand is kind of rude and swears uh mm. there, there's the guy we mentioned before who has the little minions living in his gun named sex pistols which are like little babies he has to be a parent figure for uh there's trish who has Spice Girl in Part Five? Who's who, like stand her stand is, like a, is her most self-actualized version of herself? Yeah, she's like a life coach for herself. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, McQueen. 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 That, that makes the English uh, dub for me is just the way he says McQueen like twenty times in that one episode. So, are the English dubs just considered to be bad? No, I no. I would say the okay. first parts is pretty rough because they have a whole lot of English characters and no English actors. Yeah, a lot okay. of bad British accents. Yeah. Uh, but once you hit it. like part three and onwards, I think it hits its stride, especially starting with part four. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And I think what also kind of changes isn't we so much We were constantly the actual... praising the part four dub. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's not even just because of better voice actors or whatever. I think it's just a bump up in the actual direction they're given as well as a bump up in quality in the actual localization of the dialogue. Uh, especially with part four where like the, the, all the characters that are teenagers really start to sound and feel like teenagers in the way they talk and interact with each other. And yeah, ever since that, like I think every dub has been pretty dang good. Hmm. Part five's dub in particular like I mentioned when we were going through part five was like almost transformative for me. Cause I watched part five, you know, when it was coming out weekly. And so it was only the Japanese dub with mm-hmm. more stilted subtitles, which either made it certain fights harder to understand or just made the, the, the story beats a lot less enjoyable. And then when I rewatched it again, it was all in English. It was like, Whoa, I liked this a lot more than I did the first time. Hmm. Cool. But but even part one's rougher dub still has the guy that plays Dio playing Dio, and he's fantastic. Oh. Yeah. Oh, so keeping one guy the whole time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is is the cowboy uh, Jotaro the whole time? Yep. Yes. Yes. Oh, yeah. He doesn't talk that. much. If if <laughs> he's a very silent man. Yeah. Part three. Oh, okay. He uh. he's he's just a very rude dude who doesn't talk much. He hates everyone, but he loves his mama. Oh yeah. Secretly, he He's secretly his loves mom. his mama. But is he a, is he Italian? Is he like an Italian American guy? <laughs> All right. So, uh, J- Jonathan Joestar is a Victorian mm-hmm. fancy lad. Yeah, he has sex one time in his life and dies. <laughs> yep. 
his uh-huh. son okay. he names his son after his father George Joestar the second he fights yeah. in World War one and dies there is no story uh-huh. about him he is just a, a skipped generation wow. his son is Joseph Joestar he <laughs> likes to watch his mom bathe but he doesn't know it's his mom at that point <laughs> oh, that's, that's not good that's bad <laughs> <laughs> he fights a lot of Nazis, makes friends with one Nazi. Yep. Just like one good Nazi? or He's not a good Nazi. He's an especially bad Nazi. At the end of okay. part two, when you get like a 80s movie style like freeze frame of all the characters and what happened to them at, after the end of the story, <laughs> the Nazi right. who helped kind of sort of defeat the, the, the villain at the end of part two, he who's also a cyborg, by the way, with three million guns in his in his tummy. Um, his final freeze frame is he would die in the Battle of Stalingrad. (laughs) Oh, shit. I thought he was definitely going to end up at Nuremberg, but that's just just as good. Uh, There's no justice in this world. Uh, (laughs) By the way, his character design is the actual inspiration for the design of Guile in Street Fighter. Uh, all right, yep, great, yep, cool, yep. excellent. All right. <laughs> so so that guy, uh, after his teenage adventures in 1939, uh, has a daughter who is the mother of Jotaro Kujo, the cowboy man. Uh-huh. Is she Italian? She is not. She is, she is by that point, American, because uh, the, the family, starting with Joseph, has moved from England to the United States. Got it. So he just loves his mama just, inexplicably yes. for no uh, Italian-aligned uh, reason. No, no. Wow. She marries a Japanese jazz musician who is never depicted, only mentioned. I guess mm-hmm. he tours a lot, and that is Jotaro's father and why his last name is Kujo. <laughs> I see. That's interesting. I did wonder about Kujo, which is a very specific regional name in the U.S. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Mostly given to dogs, in your experience. Uh, well, yeah, that's a big part. Yeah, <laughs> uh, in literature certainly. Uh, so I did wonder about that. If we're closing things up, I did want to, since you said McQueen, 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 McQueen. several times. That that is maybe the funniest stand power <laughs> I, that I saw oh, in the yeah. twelve episodes. Yeah. Yeah. Like a man who is so goofily suicidal that that he attempts to murder himself. And in a playful way, like it's it's played for big big laughs. Oh yeah, and it works. It's very funny. Uh, I enjoyed let's it. See, let's I guess let's finish the uh, uh, family tree because here's where it gets weird. Uh, <laughs> so so Jodro's grandpa Joseph has an affair late in life, so that his son Josuke, the part four protagonist, is younger than his grandson. Okay, all right. Uh, so there's two different lineages of the Joestar blood? Only two? Let's please, talk about pl- part five. Please don't. Okay. Oh, oh no. Oh, no. Okay. Because uh, when you see Dio in, in those flashbacks where you see Dio, uh, yeah. his personal body he was born with is only from the neck up. He stole the first protagonist, uh, uh, Jonathan Joestar's body, from the neck down in order to, to live as an immortal conquering vampire. Mm-hmm. And in that form, he had a kid who is the uh, uh, protagonist of part five. So he is both the son of Dio and uh, Jonathan, the Victorian fancy lad, living in the year 2000, becoming a, a, a mafioso. The ultimate synthesis. Yes, yes. And he synthesizes Italian energies. Mm-hmm, through his yeah. Italian mother. So, yes, he, yeah. that's why. Okay. And okay. His name, All right, okay. And his name is Giorno Giovanna. 
So his JoJo is a G-I-O, G-I-O. <laughs> okay. And now you've, going All back right. to right. relatively uh, uh, normal, like, generations of, of uh, uh, family, we have uh, Jolene, uh-huh. the daughter of, of Jotaro, great-granddaughter of uh, uh, jo- uh, Joseph, and great-great-great-granddaughter of Jonathan. I feel like I'm I've been Jojoed up in the face and neck. <laughs> and oh just no, that like boom, 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 boom. <laughs> I I love that when they're punching stuff they yell the whole time yes, too. Yes. That's, oh, great that's great to me. You can I, tell whose yeah. dad is whose by what they yell when they punch. Yep. Oh really? Jolene and Jodoro have the same aura aura battle cry. Yep. Oh, cool. And because Jorno G- is technically the son of Dio he goes muda muda muda, which is Japanese for like useless or futile. Oh, well, and that's JoJo. <laughs> I don't know. Are, yeah, are there other uh, pieces of information I need to know going forward. I, that's more than enough. I mean, you you had zero information and did yeah. just fine without it. <laughs> yeah, I th- I've I've attained a lifetime's amount of information. I feel like I've now experienced the entirety of the program that you've been running for years. <laughs> we hit the highlights. We talked about hours. Stroheim. We talked about Dio. That's real stuff. We, we well, you know, this is the the sweet spot kind of episode. We of, didn't talk of about Dan. Of, there's no a guy named Dan of Steel because they had to localize Steely Dan. <laughs> That's the last thing you need to know. <laughs> yeah. Well, the, but uh, yeah. So uh, sorry. This is the thing I. I you know, in a general sense, for like thinking about promotion for this episode. Sure. It's an optimal episode for appealing to almost no one. Because <laughs> you have to have you have to have seen everything in the series up to up to episode twelve, which, which is, you know, just the narrowest band of human beings, really. Mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. know, that's the hardcore fans mm-hmm. of the show that you have right now. That's the hardcore and fans we, of one calendar year ago, yes. Right. <laughs> and we have but we have peppered in a huge amount of information that they already know. <laughs> so that's going to be so annoying for them <laughs> to like actually sit and listen through. So it's truly an episode. So, you know, let me know, you know, uh, at C Kunzelman on Twitter. Let me know if this is if the suboptimal I'm, episode. I'm going to disagree. I'm going to tell you what I think the most common uh, uh, response you're going to get, which is that mm-hmm. while you have read jojo's bizarre adventure stone ocean very very, you know accurately and engaged you have not read the fandom oh no jojo's fans love to just dump completely contextless bizarre points on non-fans they love it so much they will like hearing us do that to you i i I am aware of that. okay all right okay because i only know of i only know random things i knew that steely dan thing And as you said it, I thought, why the fuck do I know this? Why do I know? Why are you telling me a thing I already know? Where would I have learned that? And it's because these damn JoJo stands. Mm-hmm. That's okay. Well, let, let me know. You let me know if this is the worst episode or the best episode. And if it is the, uh, is this on Apple Podcasts? Yep. It is. Well, people should give it five stars on Apple Podcasts. They should hit that five star button. Leave a little review and leave a review that says, the show was only good because Cameron was on it. Mm-hmm. Do one of those. Mm-hmm. Like, do one of those, like, backhanded compliments. Yes, yes. Like, this was the best episode because they brought in, you know, this guest. 
but no, this was great. This is fun. I enjoyed watching the show. I thought there was a 50-50 shot where like I would do all this and be pissed off at the two of you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I thought there would be like an affective danger to that, right? You know, because well, I like the two of you a lot. Again. Big fans of, of your an- work. Another and, reason uh, that when I had this idea to have uh, uh, brand new fresh eyes come in at this point, what, one of the things like, ah, these particular fresh eyes was that Listening to a lot of range touch stuff, I know that whether whatever you're talking about is something that you really enjoy and engage with or totally does nothing for you, you have something interesting to say about it regardless, and you set that aside. So I thought we, we, we would be in good hands if you did say yes, and you did. So thank you. Yeah, I'm truly cursed with the willingness to talk about yeah. it. <laughs> If only I had the sense in my mind to just go, no, I'm good. <laughs> I don't need to learn about another thing. But yeah, well, so I guess the last question I have for y'all, I know that we're running long now, but I do have this question. So uh, there was this um, charity stream a few months ago. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah, there was. Uh, a, a, a certain yeah. dynamic duo appeared on the program. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there was some donation incident, blah, blah, you know, whatever. We don't have to get too into it. But there's this Zork LP. Yeah, I thought yeah. I was supposed to eat Zork on camera. I got, I got some things. Yeah, no, you messed that one up. That's. I mean, you, I'm glad you did that. But uh, and those floppy disks are hard. Mm-hmm. Like I understand that you went through a lot, but we're really curious about that. You know, people have been asking me about it. Mm-hmm. And I'm now on. Now that I've got you on mic, I'm going to grill you about it. I think the big thing, honestly, is just we need to get someone to drop our little VTuber people. Oh, I see. Yeah. Okay. So you've heard that. You've heard that, everyone. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yep. Everyone who's listening, they uh, they they need little VTuber for, for those who uh, need some details filled in. The charity stream being referred to is the 2022 edition of Prepare to Give, uh, a, a charity stream run by the Range Touch Network. And we, we placed a donation incentive for our two-ish hours uh, that was met within the first mm-hmm. that uh, uh, if people raised a certain amount of money while we were the, the live guests, we would do a Let's Play of Zork, the classic text adventure game Zork. In conversation, there was feature creep. <laughs> <laughs> there there was and chip did keep going oh i've got a good idea for this yeah. i've got a great idea for that i got a really good idea for doing this and we're going well it's just text i don't know and he's going yeah that's great i've got a really good idea for this one so yeah there was feature creep for sure mm-hmm. so that's and that, yeah that's why it is an undelivered uh an extant uh uh reward that is coming it is yeah mm-hmm. well look i'm i'll go on record and i think i said this at the time if you want little VTubers made, I'll pay for it. I'll I'll match the donation <laughs> to get the VTubers made. I'll I'll speed this process up. Uh-huh. I'm calling bluffs left and right over here. All right. All right, all right, all right. This is Future Grant butting into the plugs section to once again plug a Hello Winter's shirt, Bizarre Ocean Blues, available only today, January 2nd, on the Yeti. T-H-E-Y-E-T-E-E dot com. And now Cameron's plugs. Yeah, absolutely. So Range Touch is a podcast network that I do with Michael Lutz and Danny, where uh, we do shows about various different media properties. It's very similar. If you listen to the show, then you won't like our shows. Mm -hmm, I feel very mm -hmm. confident. Particularly if you liked the episode I keep referring to on manga and theory and practice, listen to game study study buddies. (laughs) I took their format for that. (laughs) Yeah, good. Uh, Good. You know what? It's a good format. But yeah, so we do Game Study Study Buddies, which is a show about reading academic books of game studies and just talking about them, seeing what they have to offer and, and uh, talking about what we think are interesting about them. Um, 
so if you, you know, you can go to rangetouch.com and see what episodes we've done. If you're interested in learning about game studies, but maybe don't have time to say, go get a PhD uh, or something like that. So we do that. We do Just King Things, which is reading through the works of Stephen King in publication order. We're in the early 90s right now. Uh, our December episode is Four Past Midnight, which has a bunch of stuff, including the Langoliers in it, if you're familiar with that. The bonus episode there, uh, which is behind our Patreon wall. I don't want, I don't, I'm plugging my Patreon on your podcast. <laughs> Apologies. But uh, we got a Patreon that has some bonus content for our various shows. Um, and uh, we, we've done the mini series with uh, Nick Weiger from. Um, as a special guest, Nick Weiger was there, who was on, uh, he's on Doughboys, he's on Get Played, that kind of stuff. So that's a really great episode. Uh, so we do Just King Things, we do Game Study Study Buddies, we do Homestuck Made This World, which probably, if you care about JoJo's, that's probably the closest thing for you uh, as, as a general listener. We're reading through Homestuck, and we talk about it in a critical way. Michael uh, is really kind of running the show on that, and is reading forum threads from something awful and a bunch of other stuff too but really uh something awful and also tumblr to to kind of historically situate all of the the parts of homestuck that we talk about so placing homestuck back into history i think is how it's been described right and so giving it some context and things like that if there's one things i have and i am the grant for that show meaning that i don't i don't i've never read homestuck before i was not part of the (laughs) fandom really uh, you know, so I get to kind of go in and be a little goofball and Michael's an expert in it. And so knows what's So up. when you and get so, to the ending, you're going to bring in a third person. <laughs> exactly. And be like, hey, you need to read the, just, this whole but thing. Just the ending. But just the ending. <laughs> <laughs> tell, tell us what's up. Tell us what you think. Uh, that's, I'm going to write that down. Maybe I should do that. Uh, the, uh, but uh, so, yeah, so that's a really fun show. And then for the bonus episodes that we do for that, we dig into some of the ephemera. So we've done fan animations and kind of talked about the changing style of fan animations over the years as Homestuck went. Uh, We've done um, episodes on the never ending story. We just did one on Detective Pony, uh, the very infamous slash famous fanfic that is a rewriting of a pony story for young adults that has the characters from homestuck in it but which also heavily references the work of french philosopher jacques derrida Uh, and so uh thankfully michael and i are one of like nine people on the planet who can pull all that off so um you know and and know what the hell's going on so that's the kind of stuff we do we've got too much future as well too much future is back it's a show where we play through fallout in order through all the games. Sorry, I'm talking about every show we do, but you know, I want to give a little promo. Mm-hmm. They've listened for two hours already. But yeah, so we play through all the Fallout games in order. By the time you're hearing this, we're probably four weeks into Fallout 4. So if you if you want to hear us just kind of talk about Fallout as it goes, we've got 50 some odd episodes of that too. So that's all the stuff. And there's some other things in there too, but those are the big major shows that are on right now. Some other things are on hiatus that'll be coming back next year. And importantly... If this is coming out in January, then we will be a mere six weeks or so from starting a new show because Homestuck will be over at some point. And so if you're interested in directing us toward a thing uh, or having some sort of influence on that, you should join our Discord or you should tweet at us at Ranged Touch. Uh, Follow us at Range Touch, or you should join our Patreon. I have my suggestion on record, so please join the Discord, tweet at them, and cancel me out. That's a good one. <laughs> I, don't, I mean, I don't want to do it, but that is a really good one. That's a good idea. I've been thinking about this uh, uh, anime. This uh, It's on Netflix. 
Uh, it's about these people with superpowers. Mm. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. They're One like, piece. They're these evil villains. Uh, yeah, they're, well, no, they're these evil villains who kind of stand in front of them all the time and they talk to them. And then there are these like charlatan uh, and goofballs that, that creepily hang around and, and call at them from the shadows. It's... Um, uh oh um british bake something um, <laughs> i think it's pretty it's pretty interesting it's been going for a long time so you really have to, you have to read the manga really to understand what's going on but it's pretty interesting all right well that's my five minutes of promo sorry <laughs> everything he just said comes with my highest recommendation as well and we will be back here, just the two of us, talking about the first episodes of that second batch drop. What what took the world nine months is only going to take us two weeks, because we are coming at you with Kiss of Love and Revenge 1 and 2, and also Ultra Security House Unit. That's episodes 13 through 15 of Stone oh, Ocean. I'm, I won't be on that episode. <laughs> But uh, Cameron, once again, a big thank you uh, for joining us. Uh, I I guess I should apologize uh, once the the scheduling issues uh, became clear that that uh, Michael would not be joining us. I didn't edit the outro to last week, so there is a big lie that got sent uh, out. I'm sorry. <laughs> the statement he wanted me to read. Yes. Oh yes. Yes. So, so this is just you know statement maybe is. Uh, a big promise. So he said this. I said, is there a statement you want me to read in your absence? <laughs> so so you called it said, a statement if, before it existed. I did. Okay. I Yeah, yeah, you're right. That was on me. Uh, he said this. If there's still time, I want you to sing I've Seen All Good People by Yes. <laughs> now, I don't know what that song is. You know, if you could do this for me, I, do you have like an outro theme that you do? We do. We do. We can replace it. Okay. With, can you? Uh, I don't think we'll get in yeah. too much trouble. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so please uh, let me, I'll, I'll, unless you have any other outro to say, I can say, uh, this is Michael, Michael what's a statement that he wants to hear, which is, I've seen all good people by, yes. To be continued. To be continued. Take it away, yes. I've seen all good people turn their heads each day, so satisfied I'm on my way. Everybody ready? Got got your notes out or whatever? I didn't take mm -hmm. a single note. Okay. It's all in my head. <laughs>